live and welcome to the show here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Joining you in the studio, it's Ian. And nobody. Of course, you can bring up anything that happens to be on your mind. Uh, just got notice of this big news just a few moments before the show, within the last couple of hours. Uh, that there's a major bank in the United States that has failed. It has been apparently seized by the FDIC, the Federal Deposit So-Called Insurance Corporation. And uh, it's a pretty ugly situation. First major bank failure like this, uh, this size, since apparently 2008, since that particular financial crisis. So not looking so good. We can tell you a little bit about that. Plus, on the way here, I uh, want to get into one of the latest episodes of the NBC Boston series on the Free State Project, of which, nobody, you have yet to actually watch any of these episodes. Yeah, it's it's true. I've been uh, I've been tied up with Cell 411. Well, that's a good good problem to have, and we can maybe get an update on that, too, uh, as well. But uh, all that's on the on deck here tonight. The number, if you want to join us, is 603-283-6160. And the interesting possible side effects of this Silicon Valley bank going down, uh, the news is everywhere. This is so big, it's hit the front page, the top of the Drudge Report uh, right now. You can go there and see it for yourself. But NBC News covering... Silicon Valley Bank, one of the tech sector's favorite lenders, is shutting down. The California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation said said Friday that it was taking over and closing the distressed bank to protect deposits, naming the FDIC as its receiver. The FDIC has formed a separate entity where all insured SVB deposits will be available, they claim, by Monday morning. Now, of course, we know what they mean when they say insured deposits. They're referring to the uh, $250,000 per depositor amount that the FDIC claims to insure, which, of course, they're using taxpayer money uh, to shore up these accounts. So anybody that's got an account with more than $250,000, you might be up S Creek without a paddle here if you had an account at uh, this particular bank, Silicon Valley Bank. The closure marks the biggest bank failure since the 2008 financial crisis and the second largest in U.S. history after Washington Mutual collapsed during that industry-wide meltdown, according to FDIC data. Wow, I didn't realize it was the second largest bank failure in U.S. history. Well, of course, with inflation, that's easy to accomplish. Sure, uh, you know, a billion dollars today is, uh, isn't what a billion dollars was 20 years ago or 40 years ago or whatever. No. At the end of December, the Santa Clara, California-based bank, which is the 16th largest bank, or was the 16th largest bank in the country, had $209 billion in assets with more than $175 billion in deposits. As with other FDIC member banks, SVB deposits are insured up to $250,000 per depositor. But the FDIC has yet to determine how many of those deposits exceed the insurance limit and the agency said it would be working over the weekend to pair that or to pin that down. Well, now with a bank that is essentially catering to the Silicon Valley elite, you better believe there's going to be a ton of depositors there that that have more than two hundred fifty thousand dollars. I would think so. 
Yeah, apparently these are you know venture capitalist firms and tech companies and that sort of thing. And of course, if accounts. you're a company, you don't get uh, you don't get deposit insurance at all. Oh, really? FDIC is only for personal. Yep, I didn't know that. So yeah, I think that's uh, it's going to be a large amount of their funds. Uninsured depositors will receive an advanced dividend as well as quote a receivership certificate for the remaining amount of their uninsured funds. So that's just basically saying here's what your account balance supposedly was, right? And you, if you're in receivership, that would mean that if the bank gets purchased or liquidated, then they would get a, a, a share of that as a, kind of like a creditor, basically. Yeah, uh, yeah. As the FDIC sells the assets of Silicon Valley Bank, future dividend payments might be made to uninsured depositors, but there's no guarantee you're going to see you know, pennies uh, on the dollar of what you had, quote-unquote, in the bank. Wow. Silicon Valley Bank referred requests for comments Friday to the FDIC's takeover notice. The shutdown came after a tumultuous morning for SVB, during which trading of its shares was halted after they fell by double digits before markets opened. The downside then came, or the downslide came on the heels of a more than 60% decline on Thursday. I don't get the whole halting trading thing. It's like... They don't want the market to work. Yeah. Stand in the way. Yeah. It's just so stupid. They're trying to do somebody a favor. Yeah. Right. Uh, So apparently worries over a run at SVB led Wall Street investors to dump other bank stocks as well. Shares of some other prominent West Coast lenders took sharp nosedives on Friday, including First Republic, PacWest, Bank Corp and Western Alliance Bank Corporation. The bank even called the New York Police Department Friday on their own customers as they began lining up outside of its Park Avenue offices to get their money. Can you (laughs) believe this? I mean, the the gall of these people to call the cops on their own customers who, these guys weren't putting guns in their faces like they are out in Lebanon where they're actually, you know, uh, the country that is, Mm -hmm. uh, where they're actually holding up the bank branches in order to get their own funds out. They're using, you know, weapons (laughs) to threaten the tellers. That wasn't happening in in Manhattan, okay? What happened, apparently, according to another story, was some of these tech guys, you know, that, that have accounts at this bank, they went down to the bank after hearing that the stock took a 60% hit on Thursday. And they, you know, they might have seen the writing on the wall or maybe somebody inside mm-hmm. the bank whispered to them and said, hey, you might want to get your funds out. And so they showed up bright and early Friday morning and said, yeah, like, give us our money. And they got the mm-hmm. cops called on them. Wow. Officers who arrived on the scene left after determining that there was nothing criminal happening, according to NYPD spokesbureaucrat. In the view of the tumult, the tumult, sexual. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen told Housemakers Friday, House lawmakers Friday morning, quote, there are recent developments that concern a few banks that I'm monitoring very carefully. And when banks experience financial loss, it is and should be a matter of concern. Uh, by the way, this is also happening on the tail end of the what appears to be failure of Silvergate Bank. I don't know if you heard anything about them. No. So Silvergate Bank is noteworthy because it was one of the few banks in the country that was willing to do business with cryptocurrency-related businesses. Oh, wow. Now, I don't know if they have gone out of business quite yet, but they have lost. I've heard that they are going under, but I've not seen the, the verification of that. But they have absolutely lost major accounts. Lots of crypto exchanges have closed their accounts with Silvergate Bank in recent weeks and months. 
And so it's not looking so good for them. They're also a West Coast California bank. Mm-hmm. So that's also developing as this uh, this other bank, Silicon Valley Bank, is going down. Wow. According to the story here. Oh, they even mentioned Silver. Atlas shrugging? Yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> uh, again, this is the 16th largest bank in the country. Uh they actually do mention Silvergate here in the next paragraph. Jitters around the bank followed the news this week that Silvergate, a much smaller bank largely focused on the crypto industry, announced plans to shut down. So, yes, they are. Silvergate is closing down. Um, however, I don't think Silvergate is without funds. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just kind of they're going under for whatever reason. You know, they, they lost confidence. Essentially, it was it was the whole FTX uh, debacle that kind of lit the fire to destroy Silvergate Bank because FTX mm-hmm. was was banking with them as well. Uh, for SVB, the drama started earlier this week when it disclosed that it sold about $21 billion worth of securities and proposed to offer over a billion dollars in shares, all to fundraise for so-called general corporate purposes. The move raised eyebrows among investors who pondered why SVB would need to raise so much money abruptly. It also sparked concerns among depositors, many of whom suddenly wondered whether their money was safe and began pulling funds out. So Good old-fashioned bank run. Haven't seen one of those in a while. Thursday, the information reported that Silicon Valley Bank CEO Greg Becker was asking venture capital clients to stay calm as some tech founders began clarifying whether their companies had money at the bank. So, yeah, you've got uh, the, the bank heads telling people, oh, yeah, everything's fine here. There's nothing on fire in the back. Uh, just don't, you know, don't worry. We've got everything covered. And then three days later... Or two days later, or whatever, they're uh, they're done for. Wow! Silicon Valley Bank is known for helping to finance an explosion of West Coast companies in the tech sector, an industry that has recently been walloped by high interest rates and an economic slowdown. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Many of SVB's depositors. It's funny. SVB kind of sounds like SBF, like all these three-letter yeah acronyms. Uh, are tech startups and venture capital funds, and it doesn't rely on mom-and-pop savings accounts like banks familiar to the U.S. Av- or the average U.S. household. Their tech-focused strategy has helped deride the industry's massive growth leading up to and through the pandemic, but overzealous hiring during the public health crisis has more recently led the tech sector to institute sweeping layoffs as the Federal Reserve sharply increased borrowing costs to cool inflation and has raised expectations of an economic slowdown. Mike Mayo, bank analyst at Wells Fargo Securities, said Friday, quote, the issue here is what is the domino effect of problems outside the banking industry on the banks themselves? He said further, banks are still at the heart of the economy, and if there are issues, then banks are going to feel it, unquote. He cautioned the banking system overall has more robust guardrails now than it did 15 years ago. Well, if that's true, then how did the number 16 bank fail within a week <laughs> due to policies yeah. put in place? Good. Yeah, you, you, can't, you can't prevent that kind of thing. Um, Catastrophic failure of a system that's over leveraged with money they can print out of uh, thin air and aren't keeping deposits on on hold for uh, their depositors anyway. Yeah, I mean the only way to to have safe banking is not to have fractional reserve, mm-hmm. um, which means that the banks would have to make their money honestly, and they don't want to do that. Well, that's part of the game. I mean, yeah. they, they've got the permission slip from the federal government. To literally print money from thin air. I mean, why are they going to give that up? Um, well, I, 
I don't I don't know if it's the answer, but if they started hanging bankers, it would probably happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> it makes me curious to see what's been going on over there in Nigeria. Were you on the show the night we talked about the Nigeria banking uh, situation? No, but I got a nice email from a prince there. <laughs> Uh, in the last few weeks, just before their elections, which happened at the end, I think, of February, uh, we covered a story that people were literally just destroying the banks in uh, and across Nigeria. Mm-hmm. And it was an interesting situation because what was what was happening was the Nigerian Central uh, Bank had decided that it was going to replace the Nigerian Naira currency with redesigned bills. So they weren't re-denominating, which is you know normally what you would expect mm-hmm. where inflation's going on. And like in Venezuela, they would cut zeros off of the, the bills and then replace them with new bills. In this case, they were just reissuing. And so they essentially told the people of the country, many of whom like 40% don't have bank accounts. So there is a high amount of unbanked people there. They essentially told these people, hey, you got to bring all your money in, anything over 200 naira, which is like, you know, 40 cents or something like that. Mm. It's like a 200, a 500, and a 1,000 Naira bill. You got to bring all your bills in, get, get all your money out from under your mattress, wherever it is you've, you've stashed it over the years, because it's no longer going to be worth anything when we finally mm. pull the trigger on this currency changeover. So they were essentially forcing people to take their money out from wherever they had it in hiding and bring it to a bank. And then what happened was the banks didn't have enough money to exchange mm. the existing currency for new currency. And all of this time, the, t- the time is ticking away of the, you know, they only had a few weeks in which they could exchange before the old notes would no longer be useful anymore, would no longer be accepted. And so the Nigerians were like, F this. And they just took like poles and other things to the fronts, uh, the frontages of these banks, destroyed ATMs, which were limiting the amount of withdrawals that the, that they could make. They basically couldn't buy things because mm. of a self-imposed currency shortage by the Nigerian government. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Wow. Yeah, crazy stuff. So, I mean, that's not hmm. happening here yet. I wonder why they did that, because it sounds like a scam to me. You know, Definitely. all of a sudden we've decided that our old banknotes aren't pretty enough, so we need to print some prettier ones, and mm. everybody has to bring all their money into yeah. the bank. That sounds like a setup for some kind of confiscation. So here's the piece. Maybe the scam was just not printing enough money so that the last people to get to the bank would lose out. Well, here's the other uh, little bit of the story that I didn't tell you, and that is that Nigeria has launched their own central bank digital currency in recent months Uh, so it could be it wouldn't be a stretch to believe that this was a plot to encourage people to use the as of yet unused cbdc most nigerians like 90 i think the number was 0.5 percent of nigerians have adopted the cbdc voluntarily so this could have been a uh, nasty little trick uh, yeah, you need to exchange your Naira. Oh, we don't have enough Naira to give to you. Well, we do have a CBDC over here that you could mm-hmm. use. Bait and switch. Yeah, so that could be what's, what's going on there. But yeah, it does remind me we ought to check in with the Nigerian situation and see how that thing is developing. Because there were literally like thousands of people in the streets. They're setting fires. They're destroying banks inside and out. Bankers mm. were were scrambling over barbed wire fences to try to get out from their own uh, facilities. 
basically. See, that sounds healthy to me. I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe I've got strange standards, yeah. but uh, I, I think that if, people, if more people were chasing bankers around in America, <laughs> right? the world would be a better place. Yeah, it was really interesting. <laughs> Some of the video was pretty interesting to watch. Uh, and so, yeah, we did cover that here. But now, you know, again, that's not happening yet in uh, the United States. But you do have a major bank failing. You do have another smaller bank, a crypto-friendly bank, that's now going out of business, which, of course, is going to, you know, begs the question of what's going to happen to those clients that the crypto bank was servicing. Where are they going to go? Because mm-hmm. not very many banks want to do business with cryptocurrency-related businesses. Even the, even the businesses that jump through all the hoops... Like these mm-hmm. these exchanges, they're like, oh yeah, whatever hoops you got, we'll jump them. They, even the ones that are willing to jump all the hoops have a tough time finding banks who are willing to provide them with services. So it's mm. it's a rough time to be in the cryptocurrency uh, business right now and try to get a banking mm-hmm. uh, account, which you you need to have. I mean, as much as those of us who love cryptocurrency want to be able to opt out of the banks entirely, and for some people they've been managed. You know, they managed to do it like Joel Valenzuela out on the mm-hmm. seacoast of New Hampshire. He's been living exclusively on crypto since 2015. So it can be done. But for those of us that, you know, still want to help people get out of the dollar, they have to have ways to get rid of the dollar. And one of the, the easiest ways to do it is to, you know, send a wire or an ACH transfer from your bank account into a crypto exchange. Mm-hmm. But if we're running out of banks that are willing to actually do that service, and we've got a major problem on our hands. Um, yeah, I'd I'd say that's true. Um, although you know, hopefully people will trade it for stuff. Yeah, well, that would be nice too. And I have heard a rumor that AnyPay may be getting back up and operational again. They've been having some issues technically for some number of months, like a lot of months. And mm-hmm. apparently, those bugs may have been fixed. Uh, I have not. Obviously, I'm not able to test it myself, but I've heard. Through the rumor mm-hmm. mill that that's that's coming, so it'd be great if that that happened again. Uh, so let's look at the potential fallout here for the world of crypto from the failure of the Silicon Valley Bank. CoinDesk has what I think is the most interesting headline here about this bank failure. There's a stable coin, a big one, that mm-hmm. apparently had an account with Silicon Valley Bank. So we talked a lot. We've talked a lot about stable coins here on Free Talk Live. Nobody can you define for our audience who may be new to the idea of Bitcoin. What is a stable coin? Well, a stable coin is a is a coin that is locked in value in theory to some other commodity. So it could be backed by dollars. In theory, you could have gold backed uh, stable coins. Mm-hmm. You could have. And they have those. Um, yeah, you could have uh, pork belly backed stable coins with enough stable coins you and and a sufficiently robust system for stable coins. You could uh, replace the commodities exchange mm. um, and anybody could trade in commodities who wanted wanted to. I expect that. If markets were free, I, I expect that's where we would where we would eventually go. Um, but there's no telling where anything is going with you know madmen at the wheel. Well, and so f- stable coins give more options to people in the cryptocurrency world who want to let's say sell their crypto like Bitcoin mm-hmm. and get the equivalent of dollars, but not actual dollars, into their crypto wallet 
that they can then trade again for more crypto perhaps in the future and, and maybe they'll mm-hmm. win or maybe they'll lose on on that trade but it gives people more yeah. trading options within the various different crypto marketplaces that's one thing yeah i've i used it uh in 2017 there was a uh there was a uh, pretty big uh collapse one particular night and so i put my money in uh I, I traded my crypto for one of the uh, dollar stable coins and uh, for the night and bought crypto back in the morning and ended up with uh, significantly more crypto you than I had at first. So, yeah, I definitely came out ahead there. So it's a useful tool for trading. And it allows people, uh, for instance, who aren't in the United States to use dollars without having to have a bank account. So, like, there's all kinds of things that stablecoins can be useful for. Mm-hmm. But it requires some level of trust. And this is the downside of the stablecoin is that you have to trust that the issuer, in this case, uh, USDC is the number two stablecoin. The number one is called USDC. Uh, DT tether. Mm-hmm. So there's the circle stablecoin, and then there's the tether stablecoin. These are huge business. I mean, number uh, when I say number one, tether is literally I think the number three crypto overall. There's Bitcoin, mm-hmm. Ethereum, and then tether, and I think USDC is maybe number four or five. So it's it's big. This is a forty three billion dollar mm-hmm. uh, digital asset. But they and ha- they had a lot of exposure to uh, the FTX, right? Mm, I'm not aware of USDC getting involved. There in was FTX. some stablecoin that was involved with that. I, mm, maybe I don't it was tether. I don't one. know. I have not heard okay. about that. Uh, but in this case, they were apparently involved in Silicon Valley Bank. Wow. So according to CoinDesk.com, USDC, the second largest stablecoin, apparently had some of its cash reserves. So it didn't have all forty-three billion. Mm-hmm. But they claim that it could be as much as nine point eight eight billion of cash was deposited at uh, regulated banks. So it's not saying it was all at Silicon Valley Bank's uh, account, but they apparently did have an account there, and we don't know how much they may have lost wow. from their backing to their so-called stablecoin. So I, the the whole stablecoin industry has had a really tough go so far. Mm-hmm. And if you want to comment here, you can join us at number 603-283-6160. You can bring up whatever is on your mind. Uh, plus, they're going after another cryptocurrency vending machine company. It's all coming up. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on, joined the Free State Project, and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. Talk live. Join us here. Bring up what you want. 
The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Big headlines today about a major bank failure. Now, it was a major bank, but one you probably never heard of unless you're like a Silicon Valley entrepreneur or tech entrepreneur or venture capitalist firm, in which case you may have heard the news that your bank account is frozen right now. And if you had more than $250,000 in it, there's a good chance you're never going to see any of that again because this bank is insolvent. It has been seized. It's called Silicon Valley Bank. It's been seized by the FDIC. And uh, apparently tough times for those businesses right now that had accounts at this bank the 16th largest bank in the country and some people are worried that this could be the beginning of a run on banks in general uh or certainly the the banks that are holding tech uh, tech companies monies Mm -hmm. we have a story here from coin that sounds like a good thing we have uh well not for the tech companies but not for the tech companies but in the long run um, you mean the failure of, of banks? Uh, the failure of banks and the failure of a lot of the tech companies also. A lot, mm. There's a lot of evil tech companies out there. Sure, I wouldn't shed I mean, any Google tears. Google used to object to evil, and now they, now they, they had to take that off their, uh, off their resume when they made their uh, deal with uh, the, the devil or the U.S. government, or both. Sometime in the last decade, too. It's been a while since they got rid of that slogan. Yeah. Uh, so as we just found out, the company behind USDC, the second largest stablecoin on the planet, which is a stablecoin is a cryptocurrency token that is supposed to be backed by something. And mm-hmm. in the case of USDC, it's supposed to be backed by the equivalent of dollars. Now, according to USDC's attestation, they uh, back their coin with government bonds and quote unquote cash like assets including, according to their reserve report, $9.88 billion of cash deposited at regulated banks to back USDC's value. Their banking partners included SVB, Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah. And so that would be a quarter of their, uh, of their assets. Correct. Well, now, again, that was at multiple banks, supposedly. Right. So we don't know how much of it was at Silicon Valley Bank. The full list of banks that held cash for Circle's USDC include Bank of New York, Mellon, Citizens Trust Bank, Customers Bank, New York Community Bank, Signature Bank, Silicon Valley Bank, and Silvergate Bank. Now, we know Silvergate's closing down, and now uh, this one, the Silicon Valley Bank, is out of business. Circle said last week they had cut ties with Silvergate, the crypto-friendly bank that had halted operations and said it would voluntarily liquidate its assets Earlier this week, uh, Circle did not return requests for comment about the firm's exposure to SVB and Signature Bank at press time. Do you think you can get insurance on bank failure? Like that's like actual um, real insurance? I don't know. I know I have heard that there's certain banks or maybe they're credit unions. I think they're credit unions actually. So there's a credit union, if I recall correctly, in Massachusetts that claims that they are insuring deposits over $250,000. So I believe it can be done. Mm -hmm. I don't know how common it is. I suspect it's not very common. And it makes me wonder if Circle, the company behind USDC, 
actually had any kind of insurance to uh, to cover this because they're being awfully quiet. If they're being quiet about it, that suggests that they didn't have any insurance and they're currently sweating it out to see what you know shoe drops next in this situation as to what they're going to tell their investors and their uh, their clients. Yeah, I would expect them to be uh, to be pretty vocal about it if they did have insurance in order to reassure investors and what have you right they would just come right out and say what everything's fine we got uh lloyd's of london here they've Mm -hmm. they've got us covered up to uh you know 20 billion dollars in losses from bank failure so we're good to go but as of right Mm -hmm. now they're not uh not returning requests for comment simon dixon the ceo of online investment platform bink to the future spelled b-n-k to the future tweeted that Circle's chief executive said the firm held most of their cash in BNY Mellon while sharing a screenshot from March 2nd. Bank to the Future is an investor and shareholder in Circle. But what this really goes to show here, uh, I think, is that people who thought that the centralized stablecoins like USDC and USDT are some sort of safe storage should Mm -hmm. be shaken to the core by a development like this. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's uh, it's ugly. It and, is, and it's you know the real sad part is last year, I think it was May of last year. There was a really kind of interesting thing that happened, and, and not in a good way. But there was this decentralized stablecoin, this so-called algorithmic stablecoin called UST or Terra, mm-hmm. and they had cooked cooked up a way. Turned out it didn't really work out, but for a little while it looked like it was going to work out. They had like they had taken the number three spot for stable coins. They were coming up on USDC. I think they'd hit like eighty or sorry eighteen or twenty billion dollars in market cap. So they were in like the top seven or eight market uh, or currencies in the world of crypto. And then they just all of a sudden just crashed, and the value of their stable coin went from a dollar to two cents or one cent within a matter of days. Wow. And it was it was brutal. Billions of dollars of people's value was wiped out. And then what we learned later on was that SBF, the Sam Bankman fraud, the guy behind FTX, mm-hmm. that whole situation, he allegedly used his customer funds, of course without their permission, to influence the market to go against UST or US uh, the TerraCoin. And I, I can't explain how all that worked. I've just I've heard people who paid attention to it uh, say this guy essentially used the money that he had and probably at the behest of the bankers who are his buddies mm-hmm. to destroy the the world's most successful attempt at an algorithmic stablecoin. Wow. So that happened, and then a matter of months later, his exchange, FTX, went under, which affected Silvergate Bank, which is now going out of business, which was the crypto-friendly bank. And now you've got this uh, big bank, this number 16 here that we've been talking about, the Silicon Valley Bank. They have gone out of business as well. Meanwhile, you know, we still don't know what Tether's reserves are. They've never actually, res- uh, they've never had a, like a third-party audit that they've revealed publicly, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. That's the number one stablecoin, so there's always been a question mark by Tether. USDC had always been the most transparent of the centralized stablecoins. It's a Coinbase-backed company. Coinbase and Circle are the two companies that are uh, behind it. And so they've they've shown all the numbers. They've shown all their books, supposedly, and 
well, now one of their banks just got, you know, just got closed down. And, and there's an mm. unknown question of how many dollars they may have, may have lost in that uh, that process. So there is doesn't seem like there's any real safe stable coins out there at this point. No, it uh, it's I mean, unless you're holding all of 100 uh, percent reserves, it's almost impossible to be a safe stable coin because you're going to be dependent on either getting paid back for loans or right. you're going to be dependent on the value of some commodity. Um, you know, you're going to be dependent on something. Right. And of course, in this case, even even if you did have 100% reserves on your stable coin, if the bank goes out of existence, you're screwed. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't help. Yeah, so it's uh, it's an interesting situation. We'll, of course, continue to watch it as it develops. If you uh, have any comments, you're welcome to join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. And, yeah, I'm not trying to to uh, stoke any fears here and mm-hmm. you know say that it's all going to come crashing down. I don't think that's necessarily what's going on here. But it wouldn't hurt to reassess your banking situation, you know, just to take a look mm-hmm. at which accounts you have and... Yeah, make sure that you can access the funds that are in there. Maybe you want to consider getting some of that money out. I mean, uh, you know, in the world that we live in, it's hard to live without a bank account, right? Like there's some things that, like for instance here, if you if you own a house in Keene, New Hampshire, and you want to go pay the water bill, well, unless you want to go down and you know, give them cash, you, you have to cut a check. They won't take anything else. You can't use your credit mm. card or whatever. It's so like there's certain things that checks are still kind of the only thing you can use. Uh, to pay pay for things, it's not so true anymore as it once was. But mm. you know, maybe you want to consider limiting the amount of money that you have within the banking system. It may be a lot safer in a fireproof safe in your home or in your basement or something like that. Yeah. Well, there's definitely something to be said for diversification. You know, because you can lose a fireproof safe, you can lose a bank account. Yep. Um, you're unlikely to lose them both at the same time, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, there nothing is invulnerable. Well, that's true, and and, and diversification, of course, is certainly the name of the game. Uh, you know, we're not financial advisors or anything like that, but I would say, in if it were me, and right now I only have one bank account left with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with my name on it. And I think there's like four hundred dollars in that, in that account. Hmm. So you know, keep keep a minimum. The way I would do it would be to just keep the minimum amount that you need in the banking system, and keep anything else outside of it. Now, whatever that means, it could mean uh, having some cash in a safe. It could mean having cryptocurrency. It could mean having some gold or silver somewhere mm-hmm. safe. Maybe not just in your house, maybe in your uh your you know, your parents' house or your wife's parents' house or wherever, you know, you feel safe putting things in other people's uh possession. These may be things uh, to consider. Yeah. You never know when the FBI is going to come. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that is a problem when when you have stuff kept at home. Uh I so hate it when that happens. Yeah, if you want to join the show here, the number is 603-283-6160. You can bring up whatever happens to be on your mind. So in other uh, economic and crypto-related news, this one's going to strike home for you, nobody, and and for me here, mm-hmm. well, with what happened with the whole Crypto 6 situation, which, of course, involved both you and I and some of our friends. Uh, they're expanding out. They went after mm-hmm. us, and we were relatively small potatoes, all things considered, 
Just yeah, they had us. Uh, they had our house staked out while uh, SBF was stealing billions of dollars. Yeah, they we did. didn't steal a thing. Nope, and they didn't allege that that we did either. And they they literally staked us out twenty four hours a day for months and months and months. Yeah. Uh, but they also apparently are going after a larger Bitcoin vending machine company, not the manufacturer of the machines, but a company that had dozens, at least fifty. Uh, crypto kiosks in the state of Ohio. Hmm. This company was called Bitcoin of America. So kind of playing on the Bank of America mm-hmm. name. They called their company Bitcoin of America. They had uh, locations not just in Ohio, but in other states as well. But for whatever reason, Ohio apparently teamed up the Ohio bureauc- uh, bureaucracy, their banker, investigator types, police, etc. Apparently there were like 28 different police agencies that teamed up for this takedown of uh, this company and their executives. They've been indicted for allegedly operating unlicensed crypto kiosks and claim that they knowingly benefited from victims of cryptocurrency scams. Hmm. S&P Solutions, which operated as Bitcoin of America, along with three of its executives, are facing charges of money laundering, conspiracy, and other crimes connected to the operation of more than 50 unlicensed crypto kiosks in the state. This according to Cointelegraph.com. A Cuyahoga County grand jury returned the indictment on March 1st against the firm. The owner and founder, Sonny Maraban, manager Reza Maraban, and company attorney William Suriano. The trio was arrested last week, and search warrants were executed on their residences in Florida and Illinois. According to the prosecuting attorney, romance scammers, law enforcement person impersonators, and robocallers exploited the lack of anti-money laundering protections in the firm's systems to transfer funds out of users' crypto wallets. Hmm. The bureaucrat, Andrew Rogalski, commented during a press conference that, quote, these ATMs are ready-made for scammers, adding that they direct the victims, which are often elderly or otherwise vulnerable, to specifically go to Bitcoin of America ATMs, take money they've withdrawn from their savings accounts or 401ks. They are then instructed to put cash into the machine in exchange for Bitcoin in a wallet they think is theirs, but have no control over, he explained. Hmm. Sounds familiar? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds very familiar to some of the allegations in the Crypto 6 case. Yeah. Now, we don't know all the details here. I did pull up the indictment of these three people who are running this business. They are facing dozens of charges, even more charges than uh, in the Crypto 6 case. But mm-hmm. curiously, they're all state-level charges. Mm. So even though the Secret Service, as you'll find out later in the story, was heavily involved in doing this investigation, which is strange because normally the Secret Service gets involved in counterfeiting operations. Mm -hmm. But regardless, uh, they were involved in this as well as whichever other Ohio police bureaucracies. But the feds didn't bring the charges here. It was the Ohio State Police that did. Interesting. Not sure why they went that way, but that's the way they've gone with this particular case. Uh, And so alleging that these ATMs they're claiming are ready-made for scammers. But exactly what is it that these supposed anti-money laundering protections would have done to stop these elderly victims from going and pumping their savings into these machines? Um, Very little, as far as I can tell. I mean... um they they don't even 
the the FBI didn't even bother to investigate uh, the actual scammers. Uh, in our case, no, they did in, not. In our case, no. and I doubt they did in this either. They don't seem to be interested in actual fraud. Nope. They're interested in going after crypto com- companies any way they can. Uh, so it, I think they're just errand boys for the bankers, which is, mm-hmm. you know, why I wouldn't cry if I saw some bankers set on fire. <laughs> um <laughs> Or climbing over barbed wire fences. Or climbing over barbed wire fences. I think they need more barbed wire in their lives <laughs> because they they have monopolies. They are they are privileged by the government. Mm-hmm. They are given monopolies by the government. And when somebody tries to do something honest, they send the government attack dogs after them. And so, you know, setting them on fire seems perfectly reasonable. Yeah, I, I wouldn't go that far, uh, nobody, but I do understand your frustration. Um, but in, in this case, they uh, and I, they give an example of somebody who lost some money. I mean, the uh, elderly gentleman lost $11,250 in three transactions to one of the dodgy kiosks in under an hour to this scam. But... There's no but he didn't why. lose it to the kiosk. He lost it to an actual scammer that the FBI won't even investigate. Yeah, that's true. And uh, the thing is, even if it, this company wasn't around, that victim would have been instructed to go to any other Bitcoin vending machine in town. Yeah, and even if there or was, go buy, uh, go buy cash cards. Yes, right. De- um, debit card. The, what do they call the the cash debit cards? Yeah, Visa, Mastercard, logos prepaid are. debit cards. There's yep. gift cards for all kinds of places. Those are all regulated. Yeah, I, I you know I actually went and I tr- I tried to buy one of those things mm-hmm. just as just to see what it was like because I'd never done it before because I knew that that the you know the scammers were using this technique. It's like, well, how hard is it? to go and get one of these things. What sort of questions am I going to be asked? What kind of know-your-customer uh, procedure is going to be in place when I waltz into CVS, you know, 2 in the morning or, or whenever it is that I uh, went to go and do this, and pull one of these cards off the shelf, give them $500 and or whatever it was, and then buy the card? You know what it was? Hmm. You know what the K- KYC requirement was? What? There was a question that came up on the automated screen, because I didn't even have to use a human being. It was just one of uh-huh. those, you know, uh, automated checkouts. There was like a question that came up and said, it was it was one question, yes or no answer, and it was, it was the equivalent of, you're not being scammed now, are you? <laughs> <laughs> that, was the, that was it. Wow. That was it. So less than we did. Way less. Way less. No ID yeah. required. Yeah. Nothing like that. I didn't have to get a photograph taken or a fingerprint wow. scan or anything like that, which, by the way, many of these crypto vending machines do have those requirements. Now, they're mm-hmm. alleging in this case that the Bitcoin of America machines had that those features disabled. But again, mm-hmm. it would not stop any of these victims of these online scams. They're not going to be deterred by having to show their ID. Yeah, I mean, and all you find out is who the victim is, which you're going to find out eventually anyway. If they complain about it, If they complain, yeah. Uh, And so it's like the the whole idea that, and this is the the narrative and the mythology behind the Crypto 6 case. They brought it up time and time again during my trial was, well, he had disabled these features and that is putting people in danger. No, these people admitted that they were mm-hmm. completely under the spell of these scam artists. And th- there was one lady, she didn't end up getting called to the stand, but in her 
FBI uh, documents where they had interviewed her, she literally said she would have done anything that the scam artist asked her to do. So it, the, hmm. the fact that the machine had, has or doesn't have certain security features is completely immaterial to what these people are willing to do for these scammers. What matters is, does the owner of the machine have privilege? Does he have political mm. connection? Because mm-hmm. if he has political connections, like a bank, he's going to be just fine mm. no matter what he does. And if he doesn't right. have political connections, like a bank, he's not going to be okay, no matter what he does it's nothing is about what is done everything is about who Who does it who do they own who are they connected to what politicians have they bought yeah that's absolutely true and you know walmart and target or cvs these companies that sell these gift cards they got connections Mm -hmm. they got lawyers at the wazoo they're totally fine yeah with the politicians oh yeah they could eat a dozen congressmen for lunch and not even miss them Right, people are going in and out of those places all day long, and they're buying mm-hmm. these gift cards for God knows what purpose. Could very well be scam artists. There was one guy in uh, the Crypto Six case who sadly emptied his account of his mother's inheritance to mm-hmm. one of these scam artists before he bought Bitcoin from us. He spent ten, I think, like sixteen thousand dollars. We had him on the air with us one night. We did an extensive interview of the guy just so we could warn people about some of these scams that were going on out there. Mm-hmm. But he lost 16 grand in the, in the debit cards before he even bought some Bitcoin. Wow. So it's like there's nothing that will stop these people. One of these guys lost $1.2 million. They actually called him onto the stand. And uh-huh. he, again, he just you know, emptied out his, his savings basically to this scam artist. Only like a quarter of it went to the church's uh, Bitcoin sales. There was another $900,000 that he gave to this scam artist. And this federal government, as you pointed out, never asked him a single question about the other $900,000. No, they weren't interested in that. You know? And, uh, you know, the people people complain. People have noticed that the FBI is a political goon squad. Always but the thing been. is, the entire federal government is nothing but a goon squad. Yeah. They are nothing but smurdering thugs who will do anything to keep themselves in power and in the ability to kill. They are they are using these elderly victims. Absolutely. With no interest in helping them. No, they're not interested in helping them. And it wasn't just that one guy. There was more than one uh, witness in my case mm-hmm. who we on cross-examination got to reveal that the FBI was not talking to them at all about the scam artist. One woman even admitted that she mm-hmm. was still in contact with this guy uh-huh. up until up until just a week before the trial. She wow. is still hearing from him. She says he's still pitching her on new money-making schemes. Wow. And when asked, did the FBI ever ask to talk to him, ever ask for his information, ever ask for contact information? No. She said she would be happy to give it to him. Well, he's too useful to them. <laughs> they can use him as an excuse to go after people who are breaking the monopoly system mm-hmm. of the privileged banks. Yep. So they need these scammers to use them to attack good people. Yeah. That's what's happening. Uh, if you want to comment, you can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. So this company, Bitcoin of America, 
has had their uh, machines seized, over 50 machines in Ohio alone. And I've seen the name Bitcoin of America before. Mm. I think they might have had some machines in New Hampshire. So I don't know wow. if they still have them installed or if they're going after all of them or what, you know, maybe there's been an update in this case. But this was a big company. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're not the only one. There's another company that actually went bankrupt recently, so it wasn't the same kind of a takedown, but they're not mm-hmm. doing too hot. And, of course, they're continuing to badmouth these companies here. They say, meanwhile, the company allegedly pocketed a 20% transfer fee each time this occurred, meaning that each purchase, mm-hmm. and uh, continued to do so even after learning they were fraudulent. Talk about scammers. How much is the federal government prob- uh, pocketed from their extortion schemes? Great question. The number, if you want to join us here at 603-283-6160, hour number two is on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. You can join the show. You can bring up anything you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. We're kicking off the second hour of the program here tonight. It's Ian. And nobody. We're talking about uh, more bad news in the area of uh, the business in cryptocurrency. Various different crypto-related firms have been targeted by the federal government. We, of course, covered the SEC and their various attacks on companies like Library, which, of course, is the Mm -hmm. innovative cryptocurrency that has created an amazing decentralized alternative to YouTube. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got the really cool platform Odyssey, which is utilizing to some extent that alternative, and now the SEC is coming after them. Uh, they have won their case against Library, unfortunately, and now we're just waiting to see how much damage they are going to do in what is the equivalent of the sentencing, even though it's a civil case, so it's not sentencing. Mm. They call it a settlement portion of that case. We're still waiting for the you know the full axe to come mm. down. On them, but it doesn't look good for library. And similarly, it doesn't look good for anyone else in the cryptocurrency world, as this SEC chairperson, Gary Gensler, has stated that he believes that every cryptocurrency except for Bitcoin is a security. Hmm. You hadn't heard that one yet, huh? No, yeah. no. I, I hadn't heard the except for Bitcoin, mm-hmm. which is interesting because my theory for a long time has been that Bitcoin is the coin that's controlled by the Federal Reserve. Mm-hmm. Um, and It's certainly so, controlled by the bankers, and bankers make up the Federal Reserve. It's true. Yeah. So it, it's, not a, it's not a strong leap. So again, uh, it's, it's just about getting money into the hands of people who love the government because mm-hmm. they're co-conspirators with the government. Yeah, and by the way, what you're referring to is before 2017, a company was put together called Blockstream, Mm -hmm. and they, in their investment rounds, were given heavy amounts of millions of multiple dozens of millions of dollars by corporations in the banking field like MasterCard and AXA Bank, which is an international bank, a Mm -hmm. huge bank in like Europe, for instance. And those uh, that company, Blockstream, then started paying a paycheck to what had previously been volunteer programmers behind Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And that was when, that was the beginning of the end, apparently, in my opinion, for Bitcoin as a useful 
peer-to-peer electronic cash, which is, of course, what it was designed to be by Satoshi Nakamoto, mm. the original and anonymous creator of Bitcoin. Well, Satoshi was out of the picture as of 2011, and you know, ever since that time, these bankers have been manipulating their way into controlling the key programmers behind the project and mm. and uh, led to a kind of a, a disagreement a large disagreement between some of the programmers in uh, in the world of bitcoin and they had a schism in 2017 when bitcoin cash was created as a you know, fork as mm-hmm. they call it a chain fork where they went off uh, the bitcoin cash programmers went off in the direction they wanted to go and then the complete banker controlled programmers over on uh, bitcoin went off in the direction they wanted to go and their direction mm-hmm. was to essentially do absolutely nothing yeah except yeah. come up with a completely different technology that's that's not trustless oh you're talking about library uh, uh, lightning network lightning yeah yeah well this was what actually was created by the blockstream corporation specifically right mm-hmm. so there are still some programmers on Bitcoin who aren't like Blockstream programmers, and they don't have. I don't think they have much to do with Lightning. I, it's my understanding that Blockstream owns Lightning, don't they? Isn't that their thing? Um, Maybe it's I, open source. I don't but, know. I know that Blockstream was looking to do side chains. Yeah, and that's um, what Lightning is. And you know that's that's one of the reasons that uh, they wanted uh, Bitcoin to be too expensive. To use directly, right? And there's no reason for big for uh, for Bitcoin transactions to be as expensive as they are, except that when the time came to scale, the programmers said, "Nah, nope, nah, we're not going to scale it." They could have scaled it and then made it cheap, continued to allow it to be cheap yeah. for anyone who wanted to on the planet to use it. But instead, they just uh, kept the restrictions, the artificial restrictions, in place which drove the prices up of the network fees in order to use uh, Bitcoin. Yeah. And uh, anyway, that's that's kind of the brief history of how Bitcoin got taken over. Uh, but yeah, as you pointed out, how strange that this Gary Gensler, the SEC chairperson, specifically exempts Bitcoin from mm-hmm. consideration as a security and is saying that everything else under the sun is, in the world of crypto, a security, according to him, and will be targeted by mm-hmm. the federal government. That's what they're doing. Yep. And it's just the beginning. They've gone after exchanges now. There was news recently that they were saying that exchanges in the United States, cryptocurrency exchanges, would have to register as, uh, there's a certain term for, I'm sorry, it's uh, escaping me right now, but qualified custodians. Uh, They have to be qualified custodians. However... According to that same man who's saying that crypto exchanges must be qualified custodians, in a story posted at Coindesk a few days ago, he's now saying that he doesn't think that all the crypto exchanges would qualify as qualified custodians. Mm -hmm. So he's saying you have to become a qualified custodian in order to continue doing business as a cryptocurrency exchange, but that doesn't mean that he's going to hand you the uh, the permission slip if you ask for permission. Mm Mm-hmm. So what does that mean for the cryptocurrency exchange business? How many of them are going to be able to jump through the hoops? Well, guess what? Coinbase already did. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Surprised? Yeah. No, no. No. They're no. they're connected. Mm-hmm. You know? I wonder they, who is lobbying for this qualified custodian requirement. It's it's a good mm. question. Maybe Coinbase was because we heard that they were trying they're to go to D.C. They're certainly qualified for it. We, we know they've been going to D.C. and they've been begging to talk to the regulators for years. So these mm. people are absolutely trying to shut out 
their competitors from the the business of being a cryptocurrency exchange. So if you can't jump through the hoops, then you're going to be shut down. Yeah. That's basically what they're saying here. So they're going after every little potential business that they possibly can in the United States. They're starting small. Mm-hmm. They go after they're going after library. That's a pretty small company. You know, mm-hmm. they're going after uh, the smaller cryptocurrency exchanges. They're going after now the uh, Bitcoin of America company, which is a company that offered apparently 50 cryptocurrency vending machines in the state of Ohio. But I'd, I had seen the name before. I had seen mm-hmm. Bitcoin of America before. In fact, I think they may have had some machines in New Hampshire but I went over to Coin ATM Radar to take a look at the map because they've got a handy map that shows you where all the different cryptocurrency vending machines are out there. And they also will show you a list of all the companies that have multiple machines on the, uh, you know, underneath their system. Mm-hmm. And Bitcoin of America had us a zero next to, to their entry on this website right now. So mm. I, I went to and I tried to go to their their own company website, which was bitcoinofamerica.org. Mm-hmm. It is down. At How about the, the Wayback Machine? So I pulled up the Wayback Machine at archive.org and I went back to January of this year, so fairly recent uh, capture. And on their website, they claim over 2,500 crypto ATM locations nationwide. This was a wow. huge, huge company. And yeah. their CEO and their major you know, guys behind the scenes have now been arrested. Wow. They've seized. 50 machines in Ohio. The story we're not getting is the other 49 states. Mm-hmm. And I I looked around, I you know, I figured I figured what we'd see was that Ohio was the first strike and that we would see further news that they also snatched 60 machines from Pennsylvania and 75 machines from New York or or whatever and I haven't seen any of that so far. There haven't been like federal charges brought. It's just Ohio state-level charges that have been brought in this case. So it makes me wonder, and again, their website's down. So, like, what happened to their other 2,448 vending machines that they had Mm -hmm. installed all around the country? Are the feds going around right now as we speak? Because it is still relatively fresh news, maybe less than a week old, Mm -hmm. that these guys got arrested. It it would be interesting to see, or it could be that, they were actually compliant with federal law, but that the uh, the state of Ohio had some scam by which they could call them uh, criminals in Ohio, and maybe that's why they got state charges instead of federal charges. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense because the the allegations that they're making sound almost identical to some of the allegations in the Crypto 6 case. They're trotting out uh, elderly scam victims online. They're Mm -hmm. acting as though they could only use unlicensed machines, which is totally false. Mm -hmm. Um, And anyway, there's a little bit more information here from a local Ohio news company, WKYC, which is an NBC affiliate there. And here's an interesting takeaway. So the people they arrested for running this company, S&P Solutions, which was operating as Bitcoin of America, mm-hmm. include 45-year-old Sonny Maraban, 75-year-old Reza Maraban, and mm-hmm. 69-year-old William Suriano, their attorney. Wow. One of the agents here, the, the, you know, the, the key people behind this company, is 75 years old. Huh. 
So, I mean, it's just unusual because, like, one of the things that they did in the Crypto 6 case was they dropped the charges on the 60-year-old lady that they'd arrested as part of the original Crypto 6, Colleen, a a friend of ours. Mm -hmm. And we speculated that that was because they didn't want to have a 60-year-old lady as a defendant in a case where they're saying that 60-year-old and 70-year-old women were being targeted or elderly men and women were being targeted in these alleged scams, like that it wouldn't really... You know, mm-hmm. makes sense. And yet here you have an entire Bitcoin vending machine company run by a 69-year-old attorney and a 79-year-old, I don't know if Reza is a female name or, or a mm-hmm. male, but, you know, and then uh, presumably her son, Sonny, age 45. Wow. Uh, they put out a press conference about it Wednesday. Numerous law enforcement agencies executed 54 search warrants across Cuyahoga and Lorain counties during the operation, which included 28 law enforcement agencies uh and then they blather on about uh the scam victims and how you know supposedly they wouldn't have lost money if it weren't for their unlicensed vending machines which is total nonsense because Mm -hmm. these scam victims are sadly they buy the scam artist scam hook line and sinker and they are willing to jump through whatever the hoops that the scam artist puts up for them to jump through if they have to go let's let's say you know, some of these machines, we know they have limitations, for instance, on how many thousands of dollars that you can put in the machine every day. Mm-hmm. They'll just send them to more than one machine. Yeah. They'll go to more than one company and they'll just have them make the circuit. They'll, yeah. They're telling them all kinds of lies. It's like sometimes they pretend to be government officials. Like this mm-hmm. is what happened to the guy that, that lost $1.2 million of his own savings uh, in the Crypto 6 case. Only about a quarter of it went into uh to the church's uh, account so there was another three-fourths that went somewhere else that the feds never bothered to look into but this guy was contacted by someone who claimed to be with like the social security administration mm-hmm. and he said that i forget what the claim was but oh it's very urgent you have to send us your money i again i don't remember all the details on on what exactly the claim was but the man was uh, of the belief that the federal government was threatening him uh-huh. And that if he didn't pay this fe- supposed federal government agent, it was telling him what to do on the phone, which, by mm-hmm. the way, this took weeks, according yeah. to this guy. This wasn't like some one and done phone call and then it was over. This was weeks of being on the phone with this scam artist and moving money from one account to another account and moving it over and extract, ex- you know, withdrawing it and sending wire transfers and and then losing one point two million dollars to these to these scams. Wow. Are you telling me that this guy who was willing to lie to the banks mm-hmm. was willing to go through all jump through all these hoops would have been stopped by an anti money laundering uh, ch- check at one of these vending machines? No way. No. No way. He lied to me multiple times on the phone. I had an extensive conversation with this man asking him why he was buying Bitcoin. He explained that it was for his own investment purposes. Mm -hmm. And I asked him about which wallet he was using. He answered my question. And I asked him multiple questions on the phone about, you know, are you involved with someone online? Asking him about essentially romance scams and like putting it right out there. What could possibly be going uh, going on? I asked him if he was being coerced. Mm-hmm. So I asked him a series of questions. Under uh, oath at the trial, he claimed, uh, I don't remember if he claimed I never called him or if I only asked him like one thing when I called him. So hmm. a lot wow. of these, these poor victims, I don't know if they were lying on purpose 
or if that they just didn't remember because it was a couple years ago mm-hmm. when I talked to them. But some of them said I only asked them one question on the phone, and I know that that is not mm-hmm. true. It's sad, though. It didn't matter. That was the thing. Like, what I learned from that one guy was that it didn't matter how many questions I asked, how revealing the questions were were or mm-hmm. should have been to this person. Like, are you under duress? Is there a third party who's putting you up to this? Mm-hmm. He said no. Yeah. So he said everything to get not just me to sell the Bitcoin to him, but also every banker that mm-hmm. he talked to to send hundreds of thousands of dollars in wire transfers away from his accounts. Wow. And they all are government regulated. They all have their anti-money laundering services and their know-your-customer mm-hmm. requirements, and they didn't stop him. No, but they're paying off the right people. Right. And S&P Solutions here, running Bitcoin of America's vending machines, apparently weren't paying off the right people. They've been charged with engaging in a pattern of corrupt activity, conspiracy, eight counts of money laundering, eight counts of receiving stolen property, 33 counts of CTS license requirement violation. That's Jeez. the equivalent of uh, you know money transfer permit. Mm-hmm. Tampering with records, five counts of that, possessing criminal tools, and a crime called taxation. Taxation. That is a crime. I thought only governments did that. Interesting, huh? Yeah. Uh, so the spokes bureaucrat for one of these agencies says, we're dealing with a new industry with cryptocurrency, but we're not dealing with new laws. The same laws and the same legal theories apply to this business as any other business. Cryptocurrency is money. If you're a money transmitter in the state of Ohio, you need to have a license. Well, interestingly, the opinion of the New Hampshire Banking Commission is very different Mm. because here in New Hampshire, the Banking Commission specifically said we don't regulate that when it came to Bitcoin vending machines that sold their own inventory. Mm -hmm. So we had a permission slip. I mean, not a physical Mm -hmm. pass, but we had them on multiple occasions saying the same exact thing, making it very clear that they were saying, look, this is not our department. We don't care what you do. It's to to their mind, it was the equivalent of a candy or a soda or a snack vending machine. Mm-hmm. Just it sold Bitcoin instead. Federal government, of course, didn't see it that way. And sadly, neither the, neither did the jury mm. in the Crypto 6 case. Uh, they go on here, quote, one of the main issues was certainly the machines not being licensed in the state of Ohio, said one of the bureaucrats. And these individuals taking 20% of every transaction that occurred in the machine. That's the standard. Yeah. And and it has to be because, you know, every time you do a transaction, you could have significant, you're at significant market risk until mm-hmm. you get it back into crypto, um, you know. And there's a ton of compliance costs for those companies that are jumping through the hoops. Oh, yeah. So, so when you look at the actual rates, which you can do over it, well, not all, on all machines, some, some of them keep it quiet. They won't mm-hmm. tell you what their rates are. But when you when you see rates that are revealed on these machines, or if you actually go to the machine and you do the calculation, you look at the current spot rate and you look at the price on the machine, you'll see that 20% is absolutely standard, including every company that jumps through all the legal hoops with all the paperwork and all the permission slips and all that. They charge the same amount. Mm-hmm. So this is not unusual. In fact, the crypto vending machines that we were running with the Shire Free Church we made a point of uh, uh, doing pricing that was lower than everyone else. Mm-hmm. 
But that didn't matter. Because we just wanted to get Bitcoin out yeah. to people. That didn't matter. And Chris uh, Chris Reitman from the uh, crypto or the Bitcoin embassy here in New Hampshire spoke to the jury and he explained that the vending machines that we had were market rates. So mm-hmm. they weren't like some crazy outrageous uh, fees by comparison. It was aligned with, in, in my opinion, lower than your typical mm-hmm. market rates. But they just keep on bringing up the idea that one of these, um, you know, that someone could go and buy Bitcoin from Coinbase at less than one percent, and that's true. Mm-hmm. You can, if you can get a, a get a Coinbase account, right? Which most people can't. Well, it's not easy. Yeah, it takes time, and it's not convenient at all. No. So anyway, we go on. Uh, they say that these pe- these machines were used to scam elderly people in Northeast Ohio, including eight victims who were led to these machines through fraudulent means to transfer funds, according to the bureaucrat. He then gave uh, the example of a man who spent $11,000 within an hour. According to the U.S. Secret Service special agent in charge, Blaine Fortune, authorities began receiving reports for a number of elderly fraud victims being scammed by ATMs operated and owned by Bitcoin of America. But they weren't scammed by Bitcoin yeah, of America. Was, was the ATMs calling them on the phone <laughs> and telling them that they were the real terrorists, the yeah. government? I mean, this news reporting is so, so dishonest yeah. and so biased. I mean, they are literally just taking the press release from the Secret Service or the Ohio mm-hmm. bureaucrats and they're they're hitting the print button is what it sounds yeah. like. I've got this video, I don't know if you've seen it, of, like, uh, newscasters from, like, 50 different uh, TV stations in America all reading the same government press release as their own opinion. Sinclair Broadcasting was the company in that case. I know which one you're talking about. Uh, And it's interesting. It really looks outrageous because they have different brands. So they have like an NBC and a Fox and and an mm -hmm. ABC. But it's actually all of those stations are owned by the same company. So what you Mm -hmm. are looking at there is the sort of the results of consolidation in the the communications business or in the news news business mm-hmm. so it was a story written by some central program uh, director or whoever some central mm-hmm. writer that that got distributed and they all ran the same thing mm-hmm. it's interesting they call them program directors because mm-hmm. that's exactly yeah. what they do to people they program them yeah. yep so uh that's the latest news these poor bastards are facing i mean 79 years old this guy's facing the rest of his life in prison yeah. Uh, for this. And all they were trying to do is get Bitcoin into people's hands and that, you know, 2,500 Bitcoin vending machines are the total amount that this business claimed to have. And now they are, they've gone under. Well, I hope they it's find tragic. the right person to bribe and I hope that person kills themselves with the money doing cocaine or something. Cointelegraph.com <laughs> in related news, CoinCloud, which is a different crypto vending machine operator, has filed for bankruptcy. The company was in hyper growth in January of 2022. Now it has over 5,000 creditors and debts of over $100 million. Wow. CoinCloud, I think they even had a machine here in Keene for some time. I know they they had multiple machines here in New Hampshire. So it's looking pretty tough out there for the Bitcoin vending machine world. And there were tens of thousands of locations in the U.S. alone. I'm sure there will be privileged people moving into all of those locations. To take those spots, yeah, but the, the politically connected. Yeah. Good chance of it. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. And, of course, the elderly victims who go to those machines are just going to be SOL. Yeah. Of course, they still are anyway. We're coming up.
open and you can join the show. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Ian, nobody joining you tonight. You can join us online anytime you want. Just head over to freetalklive.com and you'll find various features there. I want to say thank you to listeners like Unaru, who is a Free Talk Live silver supporter of our AMPS program. AMPS stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. It is a way for you to get behind what we do here on Free Talk Live, talking about the ideas of peace, liberty, freedom, uh, and the fun stuff that we talk about here every single night. You can join the, the show, back us up, become an AMPS over at amps.freetalklive.com, as Unaru has done. That's amps.freetalklive.com. You can sign up there. It's our Patreon system. Uh, which means you can use your debit card, your credit card, your PayPal account to back us up here. We really appreciate it. You get some perks as well, like access to the AMP-only podcast, which has the full radio show without the recorded commercials. So thank you, Unaru, for doing that over there at amps.freetalklive.com. Let's go to your phone calls and thoughts. Caller, you are on Free Talk Live. What is your name? Sorry about that. I had you muted. Try that again. Go ahead. Dingo. Dingo, we got you. Go ahead. Yes, you know, uh, Elon Musk controls the cryptocurrency. The cryptocurrency? Which cryptocurrency? Yes. All of it. All of it. That's pretty <laughs> pretty impressive. <laughs> I thought he, he was only interested in Dogecoin. No. Okay. No What's one your point? knows. Huh? I just wanted everyone to know. No one knows. No one knows now what? You know. Elon uh, Musk controls the cryptocurrency. Well, that's a nice claim. There's no evidence to back it up, but uh, uh, pretty, oh yes, I have it. Do you know what? What's your yeah. evidence? You have the documents, as uh, <laughs> Alex Jones used to say. Video recording. I suspect it was a pretty bad attempt at a crank call. But thank you for the call tonight. Not very funny. <laughs> um, I suspect if Elon Musk actually did own all the cryptocurrencies in the world, he wouldn't need to charge eight dollars a month for his Twitter site. <laughs> Well, I mean, he doesn't need to, but uh, but yeah, I uh, I I strongly doubt that that's the case. Yeah, I think I think we would see him doing more integrations of cryptocurrency. Like he hasn't done a whole lot. I've heard that Tesla will take crypto for their cars. I don't know if that's true or if it's just some of their you know uh, dealers that that do that. But mm-hmm. you would think that he would have rolled out cryptocurrency support relatively quickly after taking over Twitter. You know, mm-hmm. you'd, you'd, you'd think you'd see him promoting it a little bit more often, but he, yeah, it's not to say he's hostile towards it, but he certainly doesn't yeah. seem to be a total fanatic. I mean, he's been uh, enthusiastic about Dogecoin. Yes, um, he has. And uh, for a time, Bitcoin, but then he kind of turned against it. Mm-hmm. As did I. <laughs> for, for him, though, it was like the environment, quote unquote, was, I think, his reasoning mm-hmm. for it, which is a, a dumb reason uh, to do it. Yeah, I mean, if you want to look at what's damaging the uh, the environment, well, all wars are banker wars. Yes, you know, bankers bankers create wars so that they can lend money to both sides, and no matter uh, no matter who wins, they make they a killing yeah. as well as causing a whole lot of killing. Let's go to the phones here and talk to Ricky in Pennsylvania. Ricky, you're on Free Talk Live. By the way, I did pull the audio last night. You had called to complain about the Wednesday night show, and you definitely said the F word on the air. I heard it. Now, what I was told by Aria and the crew 
was that you may not have realized you were on the air, but you yelled you yelled the F word quite loudly. Apparently what had happened was you were put on hold for some part of the call, and then Aria took took you off hold in order to give you a chance to respond, and perhaps you didn't realize you had been taken off hold and put back on the air, but you let loose with a full-on F word, and that's why they had to dump your call, sir. Yeah, and what context was that? Um, I, all I heard was the part that got clipped out of the, uh, the dump machine. So I couldn't tell you, but that doesn't make sense. Cause I listened to it back on the, on the listen line. I didn't hear it there. That would be gone. Yeah. That's what happens when you hit the dump button on a show is yeah, it knocks I, out I know five what seconds. I said, and I never said that, but regardless, well, you don't, you don't remember it, but you absolutely said it. It wasn't them that said it. I heard it, Ricky. So again, you might've been angry off the air on hold, at whatever it was that was going on, and then you got put back on the air without realizing it, and you said, I think you said Aria F. You said it very loudly. I would not say that. Okay. Well, I can't play it back on the air for you, Ricky, but I'm not lying but to I'll you. I'll take your word for it, brother. Okay. That's neither here nor there. Yeah, go ahead. I do have a good topic tonight, Day, tonight. I call it joining, leaving, and not being part of the union. Then I'm going to do a little wrap-up at a point. It kind of goes like this, Ian. And uh, also, good evening to you, gentlemen. I'm not, not familiar with you. I'm nobody. That, oh, you're the nobody guy. I'm the nobody guy. I remember you. I talked to you before. Groovy. One and only. Go ahead, Ricky. That's it. What, oh, what did you want to say? Well, at, let me start from the beginning. This I got pretty down. Thomas Jefferson, from the beginning, was never really that hip with the concept of the union. Then, after that, here's another couple points I'm going to throw at you. Commonwealth of Pennsylvania didn't join the Union until 1787. Mm-hmm. Now, under Thomas Jefferson, Virginia, there was a back-and-forth correspondence, several letters back and forth, and I'll paraphrase the last one. He said something to the effect of, you know, I uh, understand your grievances, and then uh, after... You know, thinking about it, you know, uh, he says, uh, he said, do as you must. What you know? grievances are we talking about here? Oh, uh, they were saying about leaving the union. Okay. Now on with it. Now, the interesting thing wait, 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 here just is, to clarify, you're saying they had already joined the union and were already upset about it and were thinking right, about leaving? Right. Okay. They, they already ratified. They were looking to leave. Okay. This was when he was president. And then after that, you had... Uh, during the Civil War, obviously you had, you know, uh, Virginia seceded, and then you had all that, you know. But mm-hmm. then after that, what's interesting is at the tail end of the Civil War, but for about a year before it ended, as I've said before, Commonwealth of Pennsylvania almost joined the Confederacy as close as you can get. Now let's go past all of that. Let's go to more modern day. Now we got, uh, you know, uh, leaving the Union. Mm-hmm. You know, we got joining the union. Now, here's one that was never part of it. And Creighton from Kentucky brought this up that night when Ari was on, but he never got to say much because it fell apart. Commonwealth of Puerto Rico mm-hmm. is a territory. And as a result, they don't get federal funding. Now, it was I talked about this with you going back to, like, say, around 2014. And what happened with them is, See, there was thoughts of them having what they call statehood and joining the union. But here's what the Fed said. They voted down there. Yeah, but here's what happened. They're all for it. But what happened was, well, not now, but they decided not to. 
because what happened is the people were divided so much it was the beginnings of a civil war. So ultimately, he said, screw it, we'll stay as we are. And the reason why I'm saying all this is I listened to last night's show, and it was phenomenal. But there's only one problem. The only person that was actually a regular listener that called in was Ricky from the Commonwealth. Ricky, the, you uh, don't even listen regularly. I listen to it every night the next day. Oh, okay. Well, that's now, good to know. Yeah, what happened was an astute observation you made in the past. People are afraid. I've been talking about secession for the better part of 40 years. I talked about it a lot just now. Are, yeah. Ricky from the Commonwealth obviously isn't afraid. So all the listeners listening, call in and talk about it. It's great to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, that'd okay. be great. I would love to hear from people who uh, you know have concerns. And thank you for the call tonight, Ricky. I definitely appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, that, uh, that may segue into what I, one of the other topics I had here tonight, which was this NBC documentary from NBC Boston that's been they've been doing a multi-part series it's going to be 11 parts part 10 will be coming out on Monday and then part 11 presumably the the Monday following that they're actually working on it as we speak I had the editor give me a call today he was asking about the music that we run on Free Talk Live he was wondering if he could use it I told him I can't I can't say for sure because it's Rebel Inc it's not my music so he's Mm got to contact them um, so hopefully you'll be able to reach Rebel Inc. And, and get permission to use the music beds that we use as part of the Crypto 6 uh, story, which we haven't seen yet. I don't know you know, how it's going to turn out. I don't know how positive or negative or whatever it's going to be. I know nobody, they, they interviewed you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're going to be in it. Ari is going to be in it. Captain Kickass, I believe, is going to be in it. I think even TJ the Spy made, oh, it, wow. made it into it, if I recall correctly. So it should be an interesting episode. And it's not clear who the... Uh, who the bad guy is going to be. I mean, they've just sort of had the, over the last several episodes of this series, which you can watch for yourself at NBCBoston.com slash free state. They've had some status, you know, some big government lovers that have been against the free staters. So I don't know if they're just going to talk to the ones they've already talked to, or if they're going to bring somebody in who's maybe a federal prosecutor or FBI agent Mm -hmm. or something like that. So not sure who that's going to be. I actually asked the guy who interviewed me, Mm -hmm. Um, last week, who we ran into again Osri. yesterday. Yeah, the guy from Dubai. Uh, yeah. I, I asked him if he was going to interview any of the prosecutors, because mm. I wanted to hear if they had any excuse. Mm-hmm. Um, although I'm sure we, he would have just gotten the same warmed over lies. Sure. But, uh, um, but he said they wouldn't talk to him. Oh. I said, well, you know, if I was doing what they were doing, I wouldn't want to show my face either. Right. They don't want any accountability. <laughs> no. I mean, they already won, so why do they want to talk to anybody about it? Well. Yeah. Uh, let's go on here. we got another caller. Caller, you're on Free Talk Live. What's your name? Hello. you got to turn that radio down. You're on the air. Go ahead. You talking to me? Yes, sir. What's your name? Yeah, Situation. Huh? The Situation. That's your name? The, the same guy yeah. who used to be on Jersey Shore? Uh, no, no, I'm better. All right. I well, didn't know there were two guys of that name out there. Welcome. Yeah, what's what's on your mind tonight, to, the situation? I was, I was just calling in, um, listening to you guys, uh, show on the radio. I'm, I'm in Oregon. Oh, cool. Uh, and, uh, I don't know if this is like a dated show or what, um, you know, date wise, like, uh, you guys are talking about Marjorie Taylor Greene. And national divorce is that? Hmm. Oh, you might be listening to. I mean, we might have mentioned her last night briefly, but I don't feel like it was any kind of detail. We talked about that a few days ago. 
Yeah. Um, okay. I guess normally, last yeah, week when I was uh, on. Normally our radio stations don't delay us more than one day, so I'd be surprised if it was uh, anything longer than a day. But what did you want to say about it? Go ahead. Well, I was just uh, calling in to test the you know, dates and times and when your show was on when I could call in. Um, oh, any day uh, between four and seven Pacific, we're on. We're on live. Well, I was just seeing how stalled it was here, and apparently we're a day or two behind. What's what station uh, are you listening to? Uh, KWRO. Oh, okay. Um, I'll have to take a look at our affiliates list and see if it'll give me more information about that. But did you want to comment on the actual issue we were discussing? Because that's what we'd really like to hear. Well, I didn't. I didn't hear it because I'm. You know, where they play your show like a day or two behind. Uh, okay. So it's kind of messed up. So I guess I'm. I don't understand. I thought you were listening to us talking about Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You don't want to talk about that because that's what we'd like to hear is what your comments are. It doesn't matter well, yeah. what we're talking about tonight. Yeah. Okay. If okay. see the thing well, with just to, to clarify. Free Talk Live is an open format show. We're open phones. So if you hear us talking about something that we were talking about a month ago, you can still call in and talk about it. So what are your thoughts on yeah. national divorce? We have a lady who calls in every night and talks to us about driving conditions in uh, New Mexico. Yeah, that's Sarah. <laughs> there um, you go. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I want to take your money and pay it for my stuff. Yeah, I know. That's what she does. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she's, that's pretty cool. Um, joking. Uh, so what do you think about national divorce? I, I don't know, man. I mean, you're, you're kind of, I don't think that's going to work out. Um, why not? I don't know. Well, infrastructure wise, you're kind of screwed. Um, you open up the door for other countries to come in here. Um, which you know, it's, it's hard to move a country. By the way, the station you're probably listening to is KBBR AM 1340 out of North yeah, Bend, uh, not yeah. KWR. Yeah. But uh, but let's 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 focus for a moment on the concerns here. You mentioned you're going to open the door for other countries to come in. What do you mean by that? I'm not really concerned. It, everything works out the way it works out. Markets decide. Mm-hmm. Um, most most Americans are armed, so you especially know, here in New Hampshire, we've got more machine guns per capita than anywhere else in the U.S. Yippee-ki-yay. Yeah, I think those are flawed. You think uh, what's flawed? That statistic is flawed. In what way? What? Why would any gun owner report that they have guns? Oh, because well, these are the only so people. Never know. Yeah, I get I mean, what you're I'm saying. I, I I don't disagree with you there, but as far as machine guns are concerned. Those are highly regulated by the federal government. So, that yeah, we are going by the federal government's own numbers. So, yes, anyone who owns a machine gun that hasn't reported it to the federal government would not factor in. So, of those people who have reported their machine guns, which would be a felony if you didn't do that and didn't pay for the tax stamp, uh, of those who have reported, New Hampshire has the highest number per capita yeah. than, than anywhere else. Huh? On paper, yeah. Yeah, and we also have an S-ton of guns that are not reported at all because New Hampshire doesn't have licensing uh, requirements. So we don't know how many pistols or how many rifles or uh, whatever there are, but I can tell you there's a lot of them. Well, like most states. I mean, you might have that law, but, 
you know. Yeah. Uh, law-abiding citizen is going to be a criminal. So, I mean, are you trying stuff. to say you think, like, some country, a foreign country is going to come in here and invade after no, secession? No, I just think okay. uh, financially and, you know, financially manipulate your your situation. How are they going to do so that? China's got a lot of power. Um, I don't think Russia's a threat. Oh, okay. But well, wouldn't China, China prefer that we just buy some stuff from them? Well, but then they come in when we pull out of like Afghanistan or Iraq or whatever. Uh-huh. They go in and offer favors. What, what do you and, mean, like building a factory and employing people? Yeah, yeah, factories, <laughs> nuclear power plants, whatever. Okay. Well, they shouldn't they be in, able to build a factory if they want to? I mean, if if a Chinese company wants to come in uh, and buy some land at market rates and build a factory at market rates, then why shouldn't they? Well, how's that bad for the economy? Then they can manipulate your economy. No, you know, they, they put power over you. No, that's it's not like how it would work. We're we're talking about a, a free market here, dude. We're talking about a place where you can buy things if you can afford them. And so if the Chinese company wants to come in and buy and manufacture something here in New Hampshire and give people jobs, I'm not sure how that gives them power over anyone. That's that's just a market action. Yeah, well, when you're down and out and you sell your soul or you know, you prostitute yourself, you know, there's there's a price to be paid there. So mm-hmm. I mean that's that's a just kind of something to look at or think about well, that there I would are bad think, governments out there that would take advantage of a weaker state, and it happens all the time. I would think we'd be a lot less down and out if we didn't have to pay for endless, pointless wars all over the world, not to mention corporate there. welfare I, and propping up corrupt banks. Right. You want to talk about economic strength. New Hampshire, even though it is a small place geographically, is very strong economically. I mean, we've got a decent economy larger than some larger countries on the planet. I believe we're like in the range of Kenya uh, and other places like that. So I can pull up the list for you if you want to. What's the population of Kenya? Uh, much larger. Yeah, I'd think. Uh, and so I can pull up the list for you, but we're doing pretty pretty well. Like We're in the top 100 for sure. I think it's like the top 70 or so of world economies in total GDP. And that would only strengthen after we got out from underneath the United States, because as nobody points out, the U.S. has all kinds of regulations. And you want to talk about manipulation. The dollar is highly manipulated. We could get out from underneath that system entirely, keep all of the money that's currently being sent away to the bureaucrats in Washington, D.C., and use that money to help ourselves and you know give you let your family keep more money that you earn. I mean, that's going to put us in a much better financial place. No one's going to be down and out and desperate in a situation like that. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with that uh, point of view. Oh, okay. Pointing out, uh, you know, certain issues that should be paid attention to. Oh yeah, we're going to be paying uh, attention. Don't you worry. I mean, we're definitely. Yeah, we're we're definitely concerned with uh, economic well-being, and that's a primary reason to get the hell out of the uh, United States of America. And I certainly have. Even less desire to be governed by the Chinese than I have to be governed by <laughs> right. the Americans. LRN.FM. What you said there. Uh, but I'll give you another chance to say it here. Hang on a sec, uh, Rick. We just got to let the, uh, the build, the dump machine build back up. Go ahead. I don't know what you said there, but don't say it again. Go ahead. The, the ship. Okay. The Titanic. <laughs> 
going down hard and fast. You're saying the federal government as the Titanic is failing? No, the U.S., the country. That's what I said, the, the federal government. The, uh, the land and the people are not going down. They're probably going to be okay. It's going to be tough economically for s- some amount of time. But mm-hmm. the federal government is going to go down. It is going to crash and burn as every empire has ever done on the planet, uh, you know, the planet Earth over time. I, I like what you said a number of days ago. National debt isn't mine. That's right. Yeah. I, I love that. That's awesome. It never was. You didn't sign the yeah. deal. No, I didn't. I, did, I went to the bank. I got my car loan. Got my mortgage. I didn't go when I was born sign a piece of paper saying, yeah, go ahead and just load a bunch of debt on my back. Yeah, none of these, none of us did. Mm-hmm. These criminals in Washington, D.C. did it. And if anybody owes that money, it's those people. Yeah. Yeah. And when we hit $32 trillion, which shouldn't be long because mm-hmm. we were at 31 last I heard, when we hit $32 trillion, that's $100,000 for every man, woman, and child. So a married couple, according to the federal government, owes $200,000 <laughs> just in paying off the money that was borrowed in their name from which they received no benefit. $31.6 trillion right now and counting. You're wrong. You're wrong. You need to double that because of inflation. Well, it's not like anyone's ever going to pay it off. You have to remember, this money was never designed to be paid off. The way the Federal Reserve System works, when they when those banks create those loans that we talked about earlier tonight, mm-hmm. when the bank creates a loan out of thin air due to the fractional reserve system, they say, okay, you need $200,000 to buy this house. Well, here's the $200,000. Now you owe us $400,000. So where does the... Oh, yeah. Where does the other $200,000 come from? That hasn't been created from thin air. There's not enough money in circulation to pay back all of the debts with interest that have been issued. The system is not sustainable, and it never Mm -hmm. has been. No, and that's why you have the bank bailouts and 25% of the people uh, fail on their loans, and us as taxpayers pay for it, bail the banks out, the bank gets to keep the house and sell it again. That's what happened in yeah, that's 2008. True. Yeah. Uh, 2008 was a huge crime. Uh, we bailed the banks out. The people that lost their houses should have got to keep them. Thanks for the call tonight, man. I do appreciate hearing from you, and thanks for sharing your mm-hmm. thoughts with us uh, listening there in Oregon. I was working for Citibank as, as a programmer during the, uh, during the uh, crash of 2008, mm-hmm. And that's that's what finally made me decide, because I realized that I was working for the people who caused mm. this whole nightmare right. uh, in cooperation, of course, with the Federal Reserve, because they couldn't have done it without them. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just... I couldn't do it anymore. I, I didn't want any part of it. I started, I started teaching economics to the to the uh, my coworkers who could understand it. They were programmers, and finally, my boss calls me and he says, "You got to stop talking about economics to your <laughs> to your coworkers because you're destroying the morale in your department." I said, "Well, I should hope so. I'm doing my best." And they had mm-hmm. security show me where the door was <laughs> in case I'd forgotten since morning. <laughs> and shortly after that, you moved to New Hampshire, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I was I was depressed for about two months. Mm-hmm. Just kind of sat in my apartment, didn't do anything, and then uh, and then headed for New Hampshire.
Wow. And now, had you known about the Free State Project prior to leaving the bank? Yeah, since 2001, really. I knew I was going. Um, I didn't know I was going to go before we had 20,000 signers, but... uh, Oh, glad you did. it, It had to be done. I saw video of people, armed people rallying on the state house steps and I said I gotta, gotta be, be part there. of that. Yeah. Alright, more coming up here. Hour number three is on the way. You can join the show. 603-283-6160. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. You can join the show. You can bring up whatever you That's 603-283-6160. You can kick off the third hour of the program here tonight. It's Ian. And nobody. You can join us online. Just head over to freetalklive.com and enjoy the features we have waiting for you there. Once again, that is freetalklive.com. We can talk more about national divorce. We just had a gentleman on the line with some objections, some concerns that he uh, wanted to share with us and that's you know inevitable we got to talk about those things uh but if you want to weigh in you can join us here let's go to the phones let's talk to sarah first up in new mexico you're on free talk live go ahead sarah oh yes i i just uh, have a, a hypothesis that you know all of the uh, natural products that help blood flow or oh, i was hoping that- you were going to tell us about your thoughts on national divorce no, I, I want to talk about all these things like like beet juice, for example. Beet juice? It's supposed to be re- like really good for your health. Anything okay. that I've heard beets are your... good for you, sure. Well, you know, because of the nitric oxide, mm-hmm. and what it does is the, what it does is it, it increases your blood flow so that... Mm. Now, gives, Sarah somehow... is not a doctor, so her statements shouldn't be uh, considered medical advice, so... Do keep that in mind when uh, when you listen to Sarah's calls. Okay, Sarah, what other claims do you want to make? But neither is Bill Gates. That's true. Okay, so that, <laughs> and nor should my, you necessarily believe doctors when they tell you things either. Mm. Well, they tell you all the side effects that go with their medication, like all that might cause vomiting or nausea. Yeah. Well, or side effects are just effects of the medication that they want to not really list uh, prominently. Yeah. They, and they yeah, didn't they, tell they, anybody they, that a side effect of the vaccine was dropping dead of a heart attack at 18. Indeed. Thank you, Sarah, for the call tonight. Let's continue here. We got David on the line in New Mexico. Go ahead, David. The New Mexico contingent. <laughs> Conspiracy. Um, yeah, but uh, on uh, session, I, I don't think that uh, um, is, is potentially good a framework that was provided i don't think that any framework can be provided to provide any more protection that already was protected and so if the population here couldn't keep it straight the first time i don't necessarily think that uh doing it over they'll they'll keep it straight but what i call what about are we referring China, to here well you know what they say if you first you don't succeed try <laughs> try again right well i think it would be easier <laughs> To get what you want, what you want through secession, I think you can get it uh, easier by forcing the gangsters that call themselves your government, forcing them out, and I think you'll have what you want. How are you going to do that? When you say force them out, what are you proposing? 
Well, you, you're, you basically have to uh, slowly revert to being your ancestors that were not dependent upon them for, for anything. How does that force and, them out? I know a guy who became his own ancestor through an accident with a time machine and, and a contraceptive device. <laughs> your, your, one of your, your own promotions that plays repeatedly is stop using their money. Mm-hmm. So stop, take your own advice. Stop using mm. their money. Oh, we did, and, and they, put us in, they put us in a jail cell. <laughs> for it i mean well then 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 you'll have to re, uh, retreat regroup and try again and we're doing that too that's path. why we've moved to new hampshire as part of the free state project so that's a retreat it's a regroup and uh you know they're not going to be forced out okay these people have a lot of uh they've got a lot well, of resources you can. Huh? you can they're actually a fairly small group of money with the or money they're freudian slip a small small group of people with a lot a lot of money and then they pay off uh, their mercenaries to come and uh, and what uh, batter your door down if you don't use their money. Yeah, well, it's mm-hmm. not going to be easy, but I think that we're going to have a better chance. And thank you, David, for the call. We'll have a better chance of just going our own way than forcing them out of their own gang headquarters. I mean, that seems like a really crazy approach that is going to result in a lot of. Uh, a lot of death and a lot of bloodshed, and that is not necessary. We can do this without death and bloodshed. We can do this peacefully through independence for, you know, you name it, New Hampshire, Texas, New Mexico, uh, California, whoever it is that wants independence should have it. And if enough people want independence, they will have it. It will happen. Mm. Let's go on here. Joe is in Maryland. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Yeah, hi, Ian. Hi, nobody. How are you guys doing Good. Tonight? What's on your mind, sir? Life is good. Excellent. Uh, First of all, you know that both you guys are always in my prayers and just like the rest of the free talk folks. And I kind of agree with you that uh, the government wants to run our money. They want to see everything we we do. They want to take everything they can because they're just spending lavishly. And they want us to pay the freight. Mm -hmm. Sure. That's the scam. Right. And it's, it's really horrible. And people have to wake up to these things and stuff like that. And like I said, I think you guys have the best uh, alternative, and that's just to say bye-bye. I don't see how anything else could be a better plan than that. Yeah. No, I, I mean, people have been fighting so for either. generations over control over the federal government, and while control shifts back and forth between the Republicans and the Democrats, it doesn't seem to make a hill of you know a, a beans worth of difference in the end of the game because they just keep on building the power on top of uh, each administration. No, no administration mm-hmm. prior to you know takes down the prior administration's uh, power ever. Right. The last surplus we had was under uh, President Bill Clinton. You never had a surplus. No, they never gave me anything. No. I'm just talking about the federal government. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, what do you call it? But, but I'm just saying, then they decided to uh, go into uh, Iran and Iraq, and uh, they mm-hmm. were spending like $10 billion a day. Yep. And so that just swiped everything out Boom. for uh, yep. the American people. And it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> Turn and on it, the printing press. Well, here I we just want to say, guys, thanks for the show. Appreciate it. Thank I'm you, Joe. Because I've been working out a lot. And, it's, good. Uh, it's good to be working out, man. Glad you're, uh, glad you're listening to us on your workout. I really oh, I appreciate it, man. All right. God bless all. Thank you, dude. Bye-bye. 
Peace. Uh, all right. So I know nobody that you had some comments on this whole January sixth thing, but I think it'll it's gonna it's actually gonna come up here in this audio from the uh, NBC Boston, NBCBoston.com. They are doing this documentary series on the Free State Project, and mm-hmm. they've had. 10 or sorry, nine episodes so far. Number 10 is coming out on Monday. And what they started doing this week was they would play an episode, which is usually around 12, 15 minutes in length. And then they have a guest in from that episode. And then they talk to that guest in the studio. So I'm not going to play the episode because we don't have enough time for it. Uh, but it's excellent. I recommend you check it out. NBCBoston.com slash Free State. This is uh, on the watch party that they had for the episode on Secession, where they brought in Karen. The real Karen? life, the real life Karen, who, <laughs> yeah, who last year went against the Free Staters and the secessionists here in New Hampshire. She was the one who went to the ballot law commission with a complaint that said that she didn't think that the the, uh, the state reps who voted for independence, rather voted to allow the vote on independence. That's what the ballot. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what the constitutional amendment would have done. It would have just been a vote. But she was the one who led the charge to get those state reps banned from office, banned from holding office ever again in uh, New Hampshire or the United States. She went after them in the ballot law commission. They actually had this woman in the studio at NBC Boston. So I'm going to play the audio from this interview, and we're going to comment here thanks to NBCBoston.com slash Free State. Here it is. Let's get a little deeper and look behind the scenes. We want to welcome Karen Steele. She is a New Hampshire resident who is concerned about succession. Karen, welcome. Thanks for joining our watch party. Listen, I got to tell you, I think if I were a New Hampshire resident, just a regular person, I would have laughed off this whole succession business, even though it's clear. By the way, it's succession, uh, not succession is a common mistake, but they're two de- very different words going on. Really serious and people are taking it serious. Um, you did the exact opposite of that. Not only did you not laugh it off, you took action. What inspired you to do this? If it was somebody who was up in northern uh, New Hampshire, I might have just blown it off. But when I realized that my state representative in my own little town of Atkinson, New Hampshire, was one of the sponsors of a bill to secede from the union, I was outraged. And I tried to reach out to him several times, and he never got back to me. And then I read an op-ed prior to the primary that somebody said that um, these people are ineligible to vote um, or to to be elected or to hold office because of the 14th Amendment. So I did some research and I read up on the 14th Amendment, sections one and three, and I said, they're right. These people do not deserve, they are not qualified per the third section three of the 14th Amendment to hold office or to ever seek office. What does that Okay. So, have you heard this one yet? Nobody. Um, what the joke about the uh, about the uh, people not being able to hold office? Not if there's a joke behind it, but uh, yeah. there is one you can tell. Well, me. usually when you say "Have you heard this one before," you're talking about a joke. No, no, this this <laughs> claim uh, that uh, the Fourteenth Amendment is somehow prohibiting any kind of discussion about secession. Yeah, and and you know she uh, she has it wrong because the uh, the it, it refers to people who have uh, who have engaged in rebellion against the United States, insurrection or, insurrection, or rebellion, yeah, which is which is violence, and, correct. Uh, 
And we haven't engaged in any violence, and none of those uh, state reps have engaged in any violence. Yep, and that uh, is basically— The state has engaged in a lot of violence. And but, that is what she was told when she went in front of the ballot law commission with her complaint about these state representatives. She was informed that this is, in fact, not rebellion. This is not uh, insurrection because it doesn't involve violence. It's simply putting something or attempting to put something on the ballot through mm-hmm. the political system. It's asking for an opinion. That's it. And so even though she was told that she was wrong, she's still insisting that she's right about it. We Let's go say on. that section of the amem- of the Constitution that your interpretation. Oh, I don't know why it just paused. I think uh, and others is that they can't hold office. Sure. It is the disqualification clause. So what it's really doing is it's adding an additional qualification for office. So you have qualifications for age and residency, and this other qualification, if you have um, pledged the oath to the U.S. Constitution, then you cannot engage in insurrection and a rebellion or give aid or comfort to the enemy. And anybody who is trying to dissolve the United States of America is indeed an enemy of the state. And it said <laughs> that they can no longer... What do you think about that interpretation? Well, I'm definitely an enemy of the state, so... Uh... <laughs> Um, but then again, nobody is actually trying to dissolve the U.S. government. We're just trying to escape the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the U.S. government will still exist when New Hampshire secedes, uh, as long as they're not yeah. crumbling at the moment. And you know, yeah, and and let them uh, that way. If we have people here who want to be slaves, we can say, do it. Go across the border, be a slave down there. We don't, we don't need slaves up here. We don't want slaves up here. Exactly. Hold office. Karen, is this, uh, was the whole secession issue the first time you'd ever heard of the Free State Project? Yes. And did you then go on to, to, to learn about them? Do you have another, any other axes to grind having to do with the Free State Project? Or is this not so much about the Free State Project for you? Is it more about secession? Or do they tie in together? Oh, they definitely tie in together. I definitely went down to several rabbit holes in the Free State Project, and the the Internet is flush with information. But um, so the other bill that uh, my state... Rabbits are a good source of meat. (laughs) By the way, she doesn't get asked this question, because obviously these are pretty friendly interviewers to her perspective. But Karen is also a transplant. She is not a New Hampshire native. She moved here from, I believe it was Minnesota. Uh, So she's... Hmm. Here trying to change things just like the free staters are going on. Representative sponsored was a bill to dissolve regional and cooperative school districts. Well, I, most of New Hampshire is, re, is rural, and so we have four towns together in one regional school district. That would totally destroy us, our towns. <laughs> <laughs> like ending a school district is going to raise a town to the ground. Yeah, all you need to do is pay a lot less for a better education that you can get privately without paying for 10,000 uh, bureaucrats for every for every actual teacher. Which they proved, by the way, in the Croydon episodes, which are uh, also part of this documentary series where a little town called Croydon, the school board, they had a meeting or the town meeting decided to cut the budget by 50%. Unfortunately, the status rallied their supporters and came and undid it. And that's a couple of episodes of this where they, they go over that that are still to, still to come uh, in this series. But she, uh, you know, in that case, they pointed out that the private schools in the area 
are less than $10,000 a year, and the mm-hmm. government schools are going up to around $20,000 per pupil per year. And so the proposal that got the initial approval at the town meeting said, hey, maybe the government schools could just do it for 10000 a year. If the, if the private schools can do it for nine, the government schools should be able to do it for 10 And that's what sold the, the people at the mm-hmm. town meeting on this. So, like, yeah, the government schools are costing more than twice as much as a good private school education, and the government school educations suck by yeah. comparison. And private schools don't tend to drive their kids crazy, mm-hmm. so they don't have mass shootings. Great point. We go on with uh, more with Karen. Because we each have an elementary school, and then all four towns go to the same middle school and high school. And so what they really want to do is they want to do to us what they did to Croydon. So right now, at the deliberative session in Atkinson, they can't reduce property taxes and reduce the, the amount of money we spend on education because we're legally obligated to pay Timberlane Regional School District per student. But if they dissolve the regional school district, then at the town level, they can abolish public education. We're going to get their objective. We're going to get to Corden in another um, episode of our show. So keep watching. But Karen, what do they say to you? I mean, the thing that fascinates me about this argument is that we're looking at the European Union, right, and Brexit, and North Ireland and Ireland are having a hard enough time just, you know, breaking up because of, of the history and because of their shared, uh, you know, economic uh, um, uh, relationship and Scotland and, and the UK. I mean, the Commonwealth there, they're having a hard time figuring out how to break up. How, how can you think, how can... The, the free staters think, and we'll certainly ask them as well, that you can extract yourself from the federal government when there's so much federal government money and support that goes to New Hampshire, to each state. How, how would they support themselves? Would they set up a whole... Wow. I mean, talk about not understanding how this works. Yeah, I mean, the government, the federal government, steals... Trillions of dollars from the American people. They keep a big slice of it for themselves. They squander a bunch of it on endless, pointless wars. And then they squander another bunch of it on cronies yeah. and bailing out banks and, uh, and you know. All the bureaucrats. All the bureaucrats. And all the waste and, and putting people in prison for oh, yeah. drugs and nothing. Um, and, and then they give a little bit back mm-hmm. and they're saying, how can you live without that little bit <laughs> you get back? Well, we're Great. not having it stolen if we're not part of the union. Exactly. So we don't need the tiny little bit of what they steal that they give back. Right. We would keep the entire amount in New Hampshire in the first place and be able to spend it better. Because yeah. it would never go into somebody else's hands. It would never be taken in the first place. The New Hampshire government still has taxes, and that's a problem. But we'll deal with that our, on our own. Yeah. But the money that you're paying into the federal system would remain your money. And you would get to decide who to help with it, who to donate to, you know, how much to donate mm-hmm. to charity, what to do with it, maybe upgrade your uh, your living conditions or, you know, save for a vacation or send your kid to school. or Whatever mm-hmm. it is that's important to you, you'd be able to do more of yeah, and those people who were working on the books would still get uh, Social Security because 
you you know you if you leave the country which mm-hmm. is effectively what we would be doing right. not by moving our bodies but by moving the border well you still get your social security you don't have to stay yep that's true it. and and of course they're asking this clueless woman who you know she's not an expert on secession she's just an expert on hating the free state project for wanting <laughs> to secede she has no answer to this question but let's go on whole new government and do treaties and pass through and passports and i have no idea but you're absolutely right economically it's not feasible geographically it's not feasible feasible but more important listen bitch it was feasible (laughs) it was feasible back in the 1700s when new hampshire did it the first time and we were not as economically well off at that time like the gdp of new hampshire has grown quite a bit uh in that time frame but yet we managed to get out from under the at the time biggest empire in the world yes and that began the death of that empire and we helped <laughs> the sun set finally on the british empire Indeed. um and it and it was none too soon yeah. and when i say we i wasn't actually there i'm old but i'm not that old we go on here certainly <laughs> it's illegal I mean, in Texas versus White, after the Civil War, the Supreme Court ruled that Texas was still a United States since it first joined the Union. She's a Texas versus White supremacist. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, lady, uh, there's news here, and that is that this is an opinion. Okay, this is not the law. When Texas versus White happened in the 1800s during the Civil War, basically, or right after it, uh, that was a decision made by some robed men. That were appointed by Abraham Lincoln, who was a tyrant that would do absolutely anything he could to keep the union together. And so those people had an opinion, and there have been many opinions that the Supreme Court has had that have changed over time. Yeah. There there was a time when the Supreme Court uh, wasn't supporting the Second, Second Amendment. Now they kind of are. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a time when... Uh, when Roe v. Wade was law of the land. Now it's not. Um, I don't think that's necessarily an improvement, but some people do. It's a change. Uh, it's a change. Change of opinion. You know, and it all, all it takes is for, and, and frankly, I don't care what their opinion is because the, the Constitution was a contract between the several states. Now, I personally don't believe that a contract uh, entered into by my ancestors is enforceable against me. But even if it was, the federal government has been in breach of that contact, material breach, for centuries. And when a contract is breached, it becomes null and void. We're going to continue with more with Karen, the real-life Karen that thinks she can take down the independence movement here in New Hampshire. And she does reveal what her next step is, what her plan is, coming up here uh, in moments. The number is 603-283-6160. If you want to weigh in, this is Free Talk Live. That's 603-283-6160. We are 
doing a live takedown of Karen Steele. She is the uh, the big bad in the episode about <laughs> secession, and I do mean big. She's uh, a little bit of a large lady. Uh, she is the person who is the, the enemy of the secession movement here in New Hampshire. She has made herself the target. And I'm not saying anything violent should happen to her. Absolutely not. I don't think that's the solution. Because we can destroy her ideas in yeah. no problem whatsoever. She is, uh, you know, we're blessed in our enemies here in New Hampshire. Yeah. Nobody. Uh, they are intellectually shallow. shallow. <laughs> right. So we're going to continue with the uh, interview from NECN and NBC Boston in what they're calling their live watch party, uh, which they've had free staters in on the first three episodes. And I knew there was there was going to be some episodes with the bad guys in it as their guests. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happening uh, right now. And I'm glad for it. So we're going to continue mm-hmm. with that here. I mean, hell, we invited uh, the uh, the Democrats to come mm-hmm. to Liberty Forum. Yeah, they would. And uh yeah, they they agreed to come and then they chickened out at the last minute and didn't yeah. even didn't even call to say sorry, we're too scared. Alu Axelman uh, from the Liberty Block has been offering for years now to these people to just have a discussion, have a debate, yeah. have a public debate on the issue of independence and no one will mm-hmm. talk to him about it. This lady is willing to go into NBC studios and sit safely alone with two friendly interviewers, mm-hmm. but she's not willing to have a discussion with somebody who has a different opinion. Well, if anybody wants to order, argue these points with me, I'm just an old stoner, but I'd I'd be happy to set up a recorded Zoom call. You can be perfectly safe and miles away from me, mm, right. and and we can just have a conversation. Nothing nothing crossing those lines, but our ideas. We'll resume the discussion here with the clips in a moment, but first, let's go to David in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live, David. Ian. Yes, sir. How's it going, nobody? You're good. You're on the air. Hey. Unfortunately, I've talked to you before, you guys, from Jackson, Michigan. Mm-hmm. And boy, do I wish I lived in a different state. I was born and raised here. We wish you did, too. Darn it. Things have been going really bad there in Michigan. I mean, no, nobody's originally from there. Yeah, yeah. Ann Arbor. <laughs> born in Jackson. Ann Arbor is about 30 miles in I'm in Jackson County. Washtenaw County is 30 miles from where I stand right now. Okay. Yeah. And it's a whole different world there. Yeah, they threw me out last time I was there. (laughs) You know, I understand it with the University of Michigan there. You talk about the state budgets, and I'm sure it's similar in other states that that's the largest part of the state budget is public education universities. Oh, yeah. I bet they you that's true here in, in New Hampshire. I just haven't looked at the, the numbers. I mean, they spend a ton of money on just the local schools. I'm not talking about the state universities, but I know no, that of the, locals, the local taxes on a property tax bill, 60 to 70% goes to the government schools. And they can't even teach a kid to read. No, they, they're terrible. That was part of my point with disastrous results. Huge pensions, unfunded, some of them. I used to work for the Jackson Public School District as a maintenance guy, right? Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe the amount of waste. Now, that's mm-hmm. not about the Supreme Court, because I'm just able to tune this in at certain times on my low-tech stuff here. But 
And I said, what in the heck are they doing? Well, they're spending other people's money. I mean, so whenever you have other people's money to spend, and it wasn't the money that you earned, as judicious as you try to be, you're still not going to be as good with it as the money that you earned, because you're more concerned with your own money than you are of somebody else's. And that's true, especially when it's bureaucrats you don't even know. And possibly a heck of a lot more conservative with your own money. But if I got a decent job at the, uh, just got thinking about it. Now the legislature here in New Michigan is is uh, a Democrat controlled. Of course, Whitmer's still governor. But gosh, they're sitting there going to say we're going to infringe on your Second Amendment rights. I don't want to talk just about guns, but why in the heck are they going to start increasing a legal buyer say I'm going out to buy a shotgun? They got to do a background check. Or the legislation says that it'll be signed by the governor. <clears throat> Basically, says that you're going to get a background check, shotguns or rifles. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. What about the millions of illegal firearms? You're not addressing the problem there, mugs. Uh, well, I don't really care about illegal firearms. Yeah, I, I I like my guns like I like my uh, my immigrants, undocumented. <laughs> Thanks, David, for the call tonight. I do appreciate it. Uh, let's talk to Major Payne, also in Michigan. Go ahead, Major. Hey, guys. Hey, what's um, on your mind? This guest you had on here, seeing as how they don't seem to understand the uh, meaning of words, and she has a perpetual heart on for everybody around her. I'm going to classify her as a, an erectionist. An erectionist. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I got the, the whole secession thing got me to thinking. Probably a dozen years ago, the UP of Michigan wanted to secede from the Lower Peninsula. Mm. And then a couple of years after that, that evidently lit a fire under some of the Californians because that's when the Jefferson thing came up. Mm-hmm. And uh, now we got Texas in the in the fire, and you guys. But I haven't heard another peep out of the UP. Ah, it's a and shame. They had damn good standing to to secede. I mean, because they're basically taxed the same rate as we are. The property taxes might be a little less because the land value is less. But they're getting like a twenty percent return on their dollar coming mm. back to them. And yeah. that's that, that be us. Hmm. Well, I would say your best bet is to, uh, if you're concerned with independence, is to get to a place where there's another, you know, a large group that's also concerned with independence. If there's, mm-hmm. if it's all quiet there in Michigan, uh, if you're conservative, get to Texas. If you're liberal, get to California. If you are, uh, you know, libertarian, get to New Hampshire, and then maybe you'll have some backup. Yeah. God save the erectionist. Thank you, Major, right. for the call tonight. <laughs> uh, Karen Steele is the erectionist, as he calls it here, that was not our guest, but was the guest over at NBCBoston.com slash Freestate, where they are doing a documentary series, and they've been watching it with some of the participants in the series. Karen was a guest in their episode about secession. You can watch this in full uh, over at NBCBoston.com slash Freestate. Just click the Extras button. Uh, which will include the full episode, which we have not played, 
and then this is Karen's interview after the episode. We're going to resume here. She is anti-secession and and as a result now anti-free state project, which is the migration of libertarians here to New Hampshire. We continue with her. Even though it joined the Articles or the the States of Confederation, they were still always a United State because secession is illegal. And the southern states, they thought that they could separate peacefully, too. And after four years of brutal civil war, Congress fortunately galvanized our My wife thought she could leave me personally, but after four years of beatings, (laughs) she gave up, died. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I wonder if Karen would, uh, would tell a woman who was being beaten that she just needs to stay with him because he really, really needs you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and besides, it's illegal to leave your husband. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we go on. ...into the 14th Amendment. Section 1 says that U.S. citizenship is paramount, not state citizenship. So you cannot take away my U.S. citizenship. And that's what secession would do. No, it would not no, it change your citizenship uh, at all. You would, when you leave the country, you remain a citizen. If you come back, they have to let you in because you're a citizen. We could quibble with the whole definition of citizen here and point out that that it's a duty to – a citizen is one who owes a duty of allegiance in return for an obligation of protection, which they don't have, as they've said in their Supreme Court cases many times. But if you want to be a citizen, if you want to call yourself a citizen, they will accept you as a quote-unquote citizen, and they'll put all their taxes and all their burdens upon you. So you're absolutely right, nobody. The the definition of – or the – you know, secession is just simply saying goodbye to the political union. Each individual would have to renounce citizenship if that indeed was something that they thought was valuable to do. That'll that be a beautiful forward. day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Burn my social security card. <laughs> now, now, it may be an issue for people born in New Hampshire because after secession, if you are then born in New Hampshire, you would not be a quote unquote U.S. citizen by default at that no, point. No, you still would be because really? you, you be, because any person born within the borders of the United States is um, is a U.S. citizen. So babies born here after secession would not be citizens. That's what I'm but saying. Babies born here before secession. I'm talking were. about the ones afterwards. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. I thought you were saying people now living who no, were born no, no, no. before. Okay. Any babies born after secession would likely not count as U.S. citizens. But again, that just comes back to if being in part of the U.S. and getting all of its quote-unquote benefits Mm -hmm. is so important to you, move your ass a little bit to the west of Vermont, a little bit to the east of Maine, or a little south to Massachusetts, and you can have all the United States you want. Because we will have refugees pouring over our border who want out of the U.S. Absolutely. So you'll be able to make bank selling your house yeah buddy go live like a king in you know puerto rico or something or wherever you want to live exactly um, and just in a slave state not a free state more from uh ms karen Steele here if new hampshire were to leave the union you when? would be depriving all of us u.s citizens who are residents and it's just it's illegal in every case law there is no precedent so karen some might say <laughs> 
This is all. It was illegal the first time, too, darling. Yeah, and there's there's a huge precedent, which is the Declaration of Independence, Mm. which declares, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that amongst these are life liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that it is to secure these rights that governments are instituted amongst men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, and that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it. Well said, and very similar to Article uh, 10 of the New Hampshire Constitution, which also retains that right of the people of New Hampshire, too. It's Mm -hmm. actually called the right of revolution to alter or abolish uh, any government that they so choose. Absolutely. So so it's right there. It's right there. You can go on if you had more. No, go All right, let's keep going here with Karen. All pie in the sky. Secession, closing school boards, school putting schools out of business. Why... Why not let them go down in a ball of flames? 13 votes in the 400-person legislature. Um, the town of Croydon rose up and pushed back, and a giant majority said no to that. Why is this important, in your opinion, to... They're in it for the long haul. They've mm-hmm. even said that in your document. Oh, yeah. That's the first thing she said that has been true. Yes. Or <laughs> well-informed here. But yes, we are in this for the long haul, and there's more coming. You did an excellent documentary of the, the whole Free State Project. So they've been in ha- New Hampshire now for 20 years. That's It was 2003 that they picked New Hampshire uh, to, to congregate, too. And so we need to shut it down. Um, (laughs) As as Representative Deshay said, we need to shut it down quickly and and distinctly so that this doesn't continue to grow. Oh, I I guess 20 years counts as quickly for statists. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Look, uh, Karen, uh, how are you going to shut it down? Mm -hmm. How how are you going to do it? Are you going to lock the borders down to keep the free staters out? (laughs) What are you going to do? Because remember, she moved here from elsewhere as well. We took their jobs. (laughs) (laughs) There's more coming. And the fact is, documentaries like this, she complimented this, so I'm glad she likes it, which means that the status, some of them are going to share this around. The more Mm -hmm. people that can see the NBC Boston documentary, the more of our people are going to be alerted to this great secret of the Free State Project. There's still a lot of people in the libertarian movement that don't know about this. They have no idea that thousands of libertarian, like-minded, voluntarist, anarchist, liberty-type people have been moving together in the last 20 years, and they're going to want to get involved in this. Oh, yeah. This is exciting, and there's nothing else like this. To have people like her... And the other bad people, the bad status they have in this series, you got to you got to sit down and watch this, take a break from your programming, and just and see what they put together here. But these people, they know that more are coming. They know that the Free State Project is effective. That's why this whole thing exists. That's mm-hmm. why this documentary is is being created. We're newsworthy. Libertarians, for the first time ever, are worth talking about. Mm-hmm. And that's never happened in the history of the Libertarian Party. First never. they ignore you, then they laugh at you. Then they fight you, yep. then you win. Yeah, and she thinks she can turn this thing around? Yeah, right. And again, it's very clear that any representatives, anything on the state floor, if you're discussing secession, it's illegal behavior, and they should be disqualified from holding office. Do but you they have weren't. concerns about um, You how- can't discuss illegal behavior on the floor <laughs> of the— 
of of the Senate. That means they can't pass any laws because all laws would make behavior <laughs> illegal, not, and then they couldn't discuss it. Not only is she wrong, she's to the point of doing illegal things. You actually are immune from arrest if you do something illegal on the floor of the state house, as I understand it. Only if you're elected, though. I, Only if you're elected. Yeah. Right. I, if you, as I understand it, otherwise if you I'd be up, down there smoking weed right now. That's my point. <laughs> if you were an elected representative and you struck up a joint on the floor of the state house, you, as I understand it, could not be arrested for it. I don't know if that if that extends to conduct or only to speech. Well, I but, believe it is the conduct as but well. She's discussing speech, so uh, it, it, either way, it would apply to what she's saying. Armed, they are. I mean, after the January. Here you go. <laughs> insurrection uh where folks who weren't necessarily armed with with weapons but used weapons to storm the capital of the united states them they weren't necessarily armed with weapons but used weapons to storm the capital how does that work um You'd, you'd have to be a statist I guess. to break up uh, a, a, a procedure of, of certifying our election. I'm a former NRA member. Uh, I've been a gun owner. I uh, have shot competitively as a teen. So I certainly understand uh, ownership of guns in the Second Amendment. But they, they seem to have their guns with them to play kickball. Uh, and they seem to have their guns with them wherever they can and talk about using them as as a to fight the government that's I what seem to remember that there were uh, a bunch of congressmen including rand uh, rand paul shot at while they mm. were playing softball so mm. uh uh carrying a carrying a gun while you're playing kickball doesn't seem like a bad idea yeah well but remember this is boston so whenever they see somebody with a gun they get all squirrely and and worried yeah. so that's where these people are coming but from. one of them said in the documentary do you get concerned when we couple that with talk about succession and then we look at the january 6th insurrection that it's more than just people trying to push an ideology that's not going to go anywhere I get concerned when I see people who are carrying, you know, uh, automatic weapons. I didn't catch that line because we listened to this on the way home from uh, Frank's court hearing earlier today. I didn't catch the line about the automatic weapons. Uh, Yeah, that I've only seen federal government agents uh, doing. Government goons are the ones carrying automatic weapons. It's it's true. Although we do have a a larger number of machine guns per capita than any other state here, I haven't seen any open carry although no people tend not to carry around the thirty thousand dollar machine gun or whatever it is that they have usually they just stick to their pistols are they buying those things the same place the military gets their toilet seats i don't know i've just heard that they're very very expensive uh because of the licensing and the restrictions there aren't very many of them um i don't think they'll really use them um but that's why we need to let them know legally that secession's just not an option but I-, uh, I got news for you, Karen. Number one, the reason one of the reasons why people carry guns is because if you don't exercise your rights, you will lose them. So just Absolutely. on a principled basis, it's a good idea to do it. But the number two reason is to keep people like you out of New Hampshire. Because the fact is, people who are deathly afraid of guns, when they see people open carrying at the local grocery store or walking down Main Street or whatever... Mm-hmm. They tell their friends. They say things like, my God, I went to New Hampshire to shop today and there was someone with a gun and I'm never going back. They they really are. There are really people who are leaving New Hampshire because people won't wear masks and people will carry guns openly.
Yeah, and that's the first thing I say when somebody I don't know who they are is talking about uh, moving to New Hampshire, like on Reddit or whatever. Yeah. First thing I'll say is, well, you know, you're going to see a lot of people up there carrying guns. So if you're not comfortable with that, Stay out. you might be more comfortable in Massachusetts. I am concerned if we don't shut it down now that it could get to something like January 6th. <laughs> You know, you said. What would that look like? She's talking about January sixth in relation to secession. Yeah. What? Uh, I I I don't know. I mean, um, I mean, for one thing, we're armed. So if and when we got up in arms, it would not look like January sixth. The bill um, <laughs> for secession here specifically talks about peaceful independence and they aren't even mentioning that aspect of this there's there's no. this is very purposeful they're taking the idea of secession and they're mixing it with the idea of insurrection mm-hmm. and that is not at all and, and what they're was trying to do it without making the threat mm-hmm. explicit but the threat is just like every abusive husband if you try to leave me i'll kill you um, part of your, the success of what you've done so far is that you've put success. the Free State Project on people's radar screens. Just anecdotally, have you Thank found you. that there's been more awareness? I mean, you didn't even, you seem like a pretty with it person. You've never heard of the Free State Project. Do you think Did most you have, she was a haven't? Person? No, <laughs> most people haven't. And I often think of the phrase, ignorance is bliss, right? I didn't know about it, even though they've been here for 20 years. But as soon as I found out about it, I can't let it go. So I have to continue on with this fight. But when I talk to people who've never heard of it, first of all, they think it's a joke. And fortunately, you guys have done this documentary where I can, you know, the legitimacy of NBC behind this is (laughs) is really opening people's eyes. So you said that wasn't the arena. I guess the lawmakers agreed with you that that was not the arena for what you were looking to accomplish. What would be the next steps? Um, Federal court. But I will say one of the arguments that the uh, the ballot law commission said is that uh, section or section three has not been used in over a hundred years, and that was true. But 13 days after my appearance before the ballot law commission is when Coy Griffin was removed from office from hey. the Otero County, hey, New Mexico uh, County Commissioner. And he is now disqualified from ever holding office again. And that's exactly what should happen to all of the state representatives in New Hampshire who have worked and support secession. And we've been just talking to you. Are are there more? She doesn't explain who that person was or why that's relevant. Is there a group that's working on this or is it something that you've been spearheading and doing a solo effort here? So far, it's kind of been a solar, solo effort um, because when I start doing research, I really go pretty deep, and then I share with people. And when I share with people, they're definitely behind me and very supportive. She goes deep in her wrong. <laughs> oh, okay. I did just pull it up. Uh, New Mexico County Commissioner removed from elected office for role in U.S. Capitol riot. That has nothing to do with secession, lady. So what does that have to do with anything here? I believe I heard or read that New Hampshire is now officially the only state in the country that's actually taken this to a vote of the legislature. Other states have considered this. Are you is this the kind of thing where the vote's going to come up every year now and you're worried that there are going to be more and more people would latch on to this? Or do you think that a statement has been sent that it did not do, you know, it did so poorly that. Oh, no, they'll they'll keep going after it. But um, a lot of times there have been, you know, like Vermont has had a statewide convention. And that was the first time in 2005 since 1861. Um, There's a libertarian in Alaska who has at least three times uh, tried to get a uh, petition on the ballot. 
excuse me, to um, uh, ask the voters to secede. And each time the lieutenant governor has said, no, secession's illegal. It has gone to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court of Alaska every single time has said, no, secession is illegal. You cannot put this on the ballot. Listen up. There's one thing that is absolutely true. And that is once there's a supermajority of people who support independence for New Hampshire, it doesn't matter how illegal it is. It's going to happen. Yeah. It's bound to happen. We're pretty much towards the end of this interview. I'll put a link to it on our social media over at social.freetalklive.com. Make sure you're following the at FTL account. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow night online. In the meantime, you can join us over at freetalklive.com. Some of you have wanted to support Free Talk Live's mission on a monthly basis, but don't want to support Patreon. Now we have an alternative that also helps our premier streaming platform, Odyssey. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join at the top of the channel. You can subscribe for $5 per month, and unlike other subscription services, Odyssey adds their processing fee on top, so it'll cost a little over $5 per month, but Free Talk Live will receive the entire amount you pledged. Higher donation tiers are available if you're feeling so inspired. You'll get a special membership badge that's visible in the Odyssey chat room, and if we get enough supporters, we may enable members-only chat. This new subscription method is a great way to decentralize our direct listener support away from just Patreon and also support a libertarian-run business, Odyssey. Please visit video.freetalklive.com and click join to subscribe to our Odyssey channel and help support spreading our message around the planet. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join today.